The following podcast contains spoilers and adult language. We recommend listening after you've already seen the movie in question, but we're not your boss. Do what you like. Brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash matineemanities. If you like what you've heard and like to hear more, consider becoming a patron. Donations start at just $1 a month, and half of all profits after hosting costs go towards actual manatee habitat preservation. Because we figured, you know, why not? Hope you enjoy the show. We're also a 
Yeah, that's, that's a market that I'm surprised isn't bigger because it's super cute. And if you're interested in getting in on that, uh, we're patreon.com slash manatees. Donations are $1 a month. Uh, and we have occasional polls about uh, episodes coming up. Not nearly as many as I should have. We're only on the second one right now. I really should have more of those prepared for people, but we only have one episode a month, so it's not super common. Uh, we're going to be doing another pulp one, me and Sam, uh, inspired by the Phantom. It's going to be either the Rocketeer, the Shadow, uh, or Dick Tracy. So if you have a strong opinion on that, that's a, uh, $2 a month donation level to vote on that uh, and that'll be coming up at some point soon uh, we sometimes record these out of order I don't want to put a specific date on also last thing I have figured out how to design merchandise. Uh, if you have any desire whatsoever for a hoodie with a penalty on it that has 3D glasses and popcorn, <laughs> um, that, uh, it's, I'm, I'm not looking to it yet because I wanted to order one first myself and make sure that they're comfortable uh, and may have good fabric and all that and that I'm not just like passing stuff off, off on you. But I'm hoping to, in time for the holidays maybe or around then at least have those up and I'll, I'll post links to that on the website and probably try to hawk them uh, uh, at the beginning of next month's episode. That's all. Wanted to let you guys know that um, your donations have made a huge difference, and uh, I'm gonna try to squeeze more money out of people by selling hoodies. So <laughs> we'll see how that goes. And thank you all very much and on with the show which is that we like to sub the movie because it's very good what do we watch? <laughs>
this the only second time you've ever seen it, right? It is. I was really like, I definitely didn't think I'd watch it and be like, oh, it's not as good the second time, but I did wonder how much I'd be able to enjoy it watching it on my own instead of with a group of friends and also seeing it the second time. So I was a little worried about that, but it is fucking awesome! <laughs> it's... It's so good! Um... And I mean... Like, I, I don't... I hate saying this because I, I don't want to disparage the rest of the movie. The whole movie is solid, but like... It is so elevated by Val Kilmer's performance. Yeah. Like, the whole movie is good. It's his movie. Yeah. It's very much like The Dark Knight. The Joker is the, to The Dark Knight. I feel like you remove The Joker, you still have a solid Batman movie there. I mean, you'd have to fill in the new villain, obviously, but, like, remove Heath Ledger's performance, you still have a, a, a good Batman story, but the really compelling part is the Joker. And the same is true of this. It's like, this is a really solid movie. There's great performances all around. But it's Val Kilmer's movie. Well, it's like, it's a who's who of everyone I recognize. Like, I'm not sure there's any bit part in this movie that I didn't recognize from somewhere else. Yeah, that part, that's kind of red also. It's just like, oh shit, there's Michael Rooker. Yeah, so we've got... Okay, so it's directed by George Cosmatos? Cosmatos? Cosmatos. I think Cosmatos sounds right. George Cosmatos, he did Rambo First Blood Part 2, the most awkwardly named movie in the history of time. Uh, Cobra and Leviathan and some other things I haven't seen. It has a 7.8 on IMDb, a 73% on Rotten Tomatoes, but a 94% audience appreciation score and five stars on Amazon. Usually everything has four and a half stars on Amazon. So that means it's pretty good. And it's starring, as you alluded to, Kurt Russell, Val Kilmer, uh, Sam Elliott, Bill Paxton, Powers Booth, Michael Rooker, Michael Bean, 
Charlton Heston, Jason Priestley, Stephen Lang, Thomas Hayden Church, uh, da, 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 da. Danny DeLace, Billy Zane, Paul Malcolmson, uh, who did I not mention? I'm sure you said Sam Elliott in there, yeah. Yeah, Billy Bob Thornton's in it for a minute, and I didn't recognize him. Wait, who is he? Uh, he's the poker player that he throws out very early on. Uh, uh, Jamie Tyler? Johnny Tyler? No. Wait, Billy Bob Thornton? Billy Bob Thornton? Yeah, no, I totally know who you're talking about because I... That scene, that's one of the scenes... That's the scene where where Wyatt Earp first uh, gets back together with... um, Doc Holiday. Yeah, the the one John Tyler. I forgot you were there. You made yeah. go. Yeah. <laughs> That's Billy Bob Thorne. I did not recognize him. I also didn't recognize Stephen Lang. It took me out the name kind of rattled in my head for a minute. I had to like look him up. Yeah, they disappeared, dude. I, of course, recognized Kurt Russell, yeah. uh, Matt named Manatee All-Star from Big Trouble in Little China. Uh, I recognized Val Kilmer, Matt named Manatee All-Star from Batman Forever. And I recognized Sam Elliott, Matt named Manatee All-Star from whatever that movie you know the bad one the one that no one likes (laughs) Roadhouse sir from Roadhouse um you know it's let me just say it is cool seeing more importantly Billy's hand from Phantom, a good movie. A good movie that people Sam Elliott, Sam Elliott is cool in this, and he's got a bitchin' mustache. However, it's, it's, this is not even close to his coolest role, which is obviously Wade Garrett in Roadhouse. I admit that Wade Garrett in Roadhouse is very cool. Alright. That's all we need. I would would never fight that. It is a bad movie, but moving on. (laughs) (laughs) Let's see. 
uh, Bill Paxton. Everyone knows Bill Paxton, I hope. He's in Predator and Aliens and better movies um, that aren't as popular. Titanic. I think a few people saw that one. Was he in Titanic? Yeah, he was... He was the, the bookend part, the modern day part, was uh, Old Rose. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, because he's tight, he's tight with James Cameron. James Cameron did not use the Titanic, and also, which Bill Paxton is in, True Lies. Also in Titanic was Billy Zane, um, who's also in this one. I didn't even write down all of the movies I recognize these guys from because there's so many guys I recognize. Yeah. Uh, Paul Malcolmson stars in my favorite western of all time. Deadwood, which is a TV series, she plays Trixie on that one, and she was one of the Earp's wives, but not the main one with a lot of addiction. She was either Virgil or Morgan's wife, but I didn't recognize her because it was so long ago, but she's great. Did you mention Charlton Heston? Yeah, as random yeah. guy they crashed with. I thought that guy was fucking cool. I had no idea that was Charlton Heston. Uh, I did. He's pretty recognizable. But like, have you seen have you seen Charlton Heston stuff? Like the old Ten Commandments and the. Planet of the Apes and... I see Planet of the Apes. Uh, he was... I mean, going back again to True Lies. Uh, he is like the old, um, Nick Fury type in that. I did not know he was in True Lies. Yeah. I haven't seen True Lies for a long time. It's, I don't know anyone. Big guy, the big guy, and then Jamie Lee Curtis, Bill Paxton, Tom Arnold. Right, I'm just saying the only two roles I remember are Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jamie Lee Curtis from that one because it's been. I've probably seen it more recently. I've definitely seen it more recently than 20 years. It's. I recall a pretty fun Cameron movie. Like Cameron and Steven is Cameron is kind of like Steven Spielberg, and he makes these like really big fun 
blockbuster movies that are more clever than a lot of the more modern ones. Like, they're more clever than, like, a Michael Bay movie, and usually better put together, but they're still kind of just like a good blockbuster affair, and that's one of his, like, it's just a fun action movie, it's not really trying to be anything more than that. Michael Bay has fallen off of late, but Kramer Kretz too, he's, he's made some good ones. Sure, okay, you know, you know and for me, I forget about everything before Transformers because that's just kind of seemed to swallow his present career. Yeah, that means his current project is just this current project's last a decade, but he's he's working on a franch he's working on a movie franchise based on a TV series based on a toy line based on a different Japanese toy line. So like this isn't we shouldn't judge him by this. Just for some reason it's the most profitable one because our culture is weird. <laughs> but he's done some pretty good ones before that. Uh, none of this, of course, uh, uh, too related to uh, Tombstone, which Michael Bay didn't work on, I don't think, did he? Not as far as I know. Michael Bean did. He was in Terminator, also with Arnold Schwarzenegger. He was Kyle Reese, I think. He was Johnny Ringo in this one. Yeah, and he was also in Aliens with Bill Paxton. That's right. He was he was the one who didn't die, right? Yeah, Hicks. Is that a spoiler? That movie's old and famous. If you don't know that he survives by now, then I figure out what. I thought it might have something clever there, but it didn't. It didn't come to pass. So, by the time I finish this sentence, there will be a good end to this. Ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> I was so sure it was on the way, it just didn't happen. Powers Booth, also in Deadwood later on. If you guys like this and want to see a much more depressing, realistic, and rapey version of it, Deadwood's the one. I, I can't oversell it. But it is all of those things.
It actually also has wider and it comes in good for like two episodes. The big question is, because it has Doc Holiday, yeah? No. No? No. Deadwood is an interesting philosophy for us. It's largely based on real events. Not, not too closely, like they they took liberties to make it a better show, but um, it, it's based on the Deadwood Gazette, so it falls really interesting narrative structure where sometimes things just happen that lead to nothing, come from nothing. But were significant events that actually happened around them. And the herbs did come through town. Of course, Dad was famous because Wild Bill Hickok died there. And Wild Bill Hickok, who's he played by? He's played by. Oh, hell, the other Carity, not David Carity. Keith Carey, the one from Dexter, and is my second favorite interpretation of an Old West hero after Val Kilmer's Doc Holliday. Those are the two best, I think. Tangentially related. I'm sorry. I'm going on all kinds of tangents. I've been awake for a long time. Uh, I'm about ready to go to bed with all of you guys. Let's take a nap. Let's try a new experiment where it's just snoring. We'll just stand over you and watch you as you sleep. We don't. We don't stand. We float. We bob. Non-threateningly, it's our above uh, you, watching you. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever, man, he's <used> be cute. <laughs> um. Okay, okay. So, I think this movie might be. Single most macho movie up until The Expendables. I can't think of another competitor. I don't know if you can. I'm thinking. When was this made? 93? 93. I think that's the same year as like Jurassic Park. Yeah. About that year. Yeah. And, uh. I'd say it's a contender. Alright, I'll take it. I don't have any. any immediate. uh. competition for it, but I feel like enough. has come out between. Then and now, 
There is a contender. Well, successfully, Macho, maybe I should say. Okay. Because a lot, a lot, a lot grab for it. But only this one hits it directly and is exactly stupid enough to pull it off without being entirely stupid. <laughs> So, according to George Cosmatos, George Cosmatos, I should look up pronunciation guides before I start recording these things. Well, it sounds Spanish, right? Could be Greek. Could be, uh, uh, other... There are other languages. He, he bragged about two things when he was making the, the movie, or when he was doing the press junk for the movie. All of the lightning is real. What? That sounds like bullshit. Uh-huh. And all of the mustaches are real. And these two Okay, I actually did wonder about that. Because some of them are just like so clean and well formed. I was just like, god damn, man. That, that's gotta be glued on. It's impressive. Nope. nope. It's impressive. Real mustaches, apparently real lightning, makes some of the takes way more impressive. If true, can't verify. And have a lot of interesting connections to the real wider, like they filmed a lot of the movie in Tombstone, the actual places where these events took place. An actual herb descendant was working on the crew. I don't know which one. I do like that. Because the, the name Wyatt Earp is a cool sounding name. But when you just say the herbs are coming to town, it does not sound flattering at all. It sounds so bad. Well, Wyatt Herb and Morgan Herb go pretty well. Virgil Herb sounds Strange when you say it together. Uh, even more than herb, I feel like doesn't work. It's really just the one. Just Wyatt Herb, I think, sounds cool. Partly because they're less common names. Uh, both Wyatt and Herb, so like when you combine it's just like Wyatt Herb. Like, oh, cool. Morgan Herb? Herb just does not 
works for the one for them. It just works for the one. That's why, you know, they're all cool in this, but there's really only one who's fucking badass as hell. Of the herbs. No, I mean, you're not wrong. I don't know, I just, I think there's a bunch of other first names that would have worked with them pretty well. Like, Crazy to think how recently 
just happens. Just that's period history where like you could live through a couple of years. It seemed like like his wife, the the actress whose character name I don't remember, but the one who's played by Dana. Specifically, 
when it pertains to um, the romance between um, Wyatt Earp and actress. Slightly tacked on there a bit. Yeah, and I just, it's definitely the least interesting part of the movie. Like, I care more, and not necessarily a good way, but I care more about Doc Holliday's romance with his, like, devil woman. It's just very entertaining. She was great. I don't know the name of the actor. I don't even know the character's name. It's only mentioned a couple times. He mostly uh, refers to her either her ethnicity or just as like a Antichrist, uh, but in an affectionate way. Well, the, the character's name is Kate, and she's based on Big Nose Kate, who is a real person. Oh, interesting. I like that they did based cast an actor with a big nose. Yes, you say. <laughs> Although, who knows if she actually had one. It was a euphemistic big nose. Yeah, they were sort of a little more interesting because the the wide herb and what was the character's name? I should open a window and do that thing where I research while I'm talking. That's what real podcasters do, right? Supposedly. Even in those scenes. 
I think partly just because the cast is so... They feel so right from the era with their mustaches and their swagger and who they cast and just clicks. But you think he feels cheap? Occasionally, some of the way it's shot, it doesn't like look. Uh, it's not like the footage gets turned bad or anything like that. It's just some of the shots during the action montage is literally just Russell, uh, not Russell, uh, Kurt Russell obviously shooting guns at nothing walking towards the camera. Not true. And well, it's interesting, because the whole thing did only cost $25 million. Which, I, I mean, it's really cheap for now. I don't know how cheap it was for 1993. Josephine Marcus is the actress's name. It was his real wife, I think, when he died. Who's the one who lived until World War II? The woman who played Kate is Joanna Pacula. That's not a name I know. Who's also been in Gorky Park, The Kiss, and Virus. The, the movie, the Jimmy Lee Curtis virus, the um, alien robot horror movie? Uh, let me see. Yep, that's Jamie Lee Curtis and Donald Sutherland. So, that's the only movie I've seen with this actress in it. Aside from Tombstone, I guess. I saw that shit in theaters, and I thought it was rad, and even just looking back in my memory window of what I recall of that movie, it was pretty dumb. It might factually be rad and dumb. Uh, I don't think. I swear we're being pretty dumb. I kind of really want to rewatch it now because I forgot that movie existed and I definitely saw that in theaters. And now I'm like, it's totally, it seems like it's totally forgotten by our culture. And so I'm like, I'm, I'm very fascinated by movies from like 10 to 15 years ago that are just utterly forgotten. Because they're still close enough that I might have seen them or might remember seeing uh, the trailer or this or that. And so, I don't know. I just, I, 
always curious by those stories, especially if I saw them at some point and they had any kind of impact on me. So, so why are you laughing? No, I'm just, I'm, okay, two things. One, Sam Elliott was born in Sacramento, California. What? Uh, in 1944, but... Come home, Sam, you're welcome What cracked me up was I'm looking through... Sorry, what? Is, is he alive? Sam Elliott? Yeah, yeah, he's good. He's good. Yeah. He's, he's old, but he's still doing good. Well, that's the thing. I'm, I'm looking through this cast list, and it's sort of... You're seeing all these stars of Tombstone, but much older and more wrinkly and gray and then Sam Elliott is just there and he's been 60 years old for 40 years <laughs> <laughs> he has not changed and I don't know what's up with this guy I'm looking at a black and white photo of him from 1976, he looks exactly the same. Okay, anyway, um, so, Tombstone, we open with this really old-timey video open, uh, that's clearly just, you know, it's footage from the film, but shot through a filter to make it look like an old-style film, and then sped up a little bit so the steps are awkward, like those first films you see. And I think the first time I showed you this movie, because it was only like eight months ago, right? If that, yeah. You saw this for the first time. Like, you had thought the entire movie was going to be like that? Did Is I? that true? What? Yeah, I thought you were really excited for like 30 seconds because you thought, oh shit, is this entire movie like done this 1920s ass? Oh no, I knew it wasn't like that. I might have made a joke to that effect. But I knew it was uh, I knew enough of the movie. I think I remember even seeing the trailers for it. So I knew it wasn't that. That's okay, fair enough. I'm a little disappointed. I thought you had actual <laughs> 20 seconds of thinking that it was like Guys all said I had to see this movie. This is an art piece. Um, and then we cut to the. Oh, oh, okay. So the voiceover in this part 
the son by the guy who was going to play the boss of the Cowboys. Because historically, uh, the actual boss of the Cowboys at the point the movie starts was like Old Man Clanton or something. changes pretty last minute to accommodate this 
major star falling out of it. I did wonder about that. There's a lot of storylines where it's like, okay, I, I, I guess I see you're doing a thing. It, it feels like there was like 30 minutes of film cut from this. Yeah, well, there's one super awkward cut that we'll get to where I can almost... Hell, something was cut because the rest of the movie's edited much more smoothly. The first scene is this Mexican wedding. What happens here? Well, uh, there's the wedding and then the cowboys show up. And they say, well, Like, 
you wouldn't hire Billy Zane to be in as few scenes as Billy Zane is in. Except that's a guy yeah. who means a lot to Old West aficionados and people from Arizona and stuff. You know? And that was the thing that was kind of weird. It's like you keep expecting more to come of these characters and it never does. Uh, for the minor ones. But the wedding scene, the cowboys show up, Apparently, the wedding is of Mexican police officer or some such, and the cowboys are like, you killed two of our men, and so they kill everybody. <laughs> And they just blow real away. Uh, there is a Mexican gentleman who has um, only the corners of a mustache for facial hair. And he's my favorite because he is rocking that look as as well as, well, he's convinced he's rocking that look. Oh, the, the mem, the cowboy, the member of the gang. Yes, yes. Like the one who speaks Spanish who isn't Johnny Ringo? Yes, exactly. He's got just the, the end pieces mustache. He's shaved the actual mustache. It's not that that's all he could grow because he's got the shadow. It's that's all he wants to have of facial hair. That's, uh, that's Florentino played by Paul Ben Victor. He's also in Daredevil and uh, Don Chan. Daredevil, the movie? Or show? Yeah. Okay. I don't the movie. I barely remember that. I don't either. I, I, I saw once 15 years ago. But. What is that's, that's the guy Florentino? He did have the best mustache. By which I mean the worst. <laughs> it was just to say I can grow a mustache, but I choose not to have one. It's <laughs> like, so, let no one doubt that this is a choice to not have. Because <laughs> I've left the outline of it. <laughs> Just in case you didn't know. Uh, and did they sit down and eat the dinner? <laughs> that was just, I love that for some reason. 
I did too, and I like who was saying, oh, it's like they knew we were coming, and they all sat down to eat. <laughs> they do the cheesy, um, it's not cheesy so much, it's just like pretty cliche, and then it becomes melodramatic. It, it's and cheesy, but that's okay. Where they, where, where like, oh, he was because the priest was saying stuff in um, Spanish and the guy with the, the terrible mustache or with mustache mistranslated him and then Johnny Gringo Johnny Ringo says, "No, he's quoting the Bible." I'm sorry. That was a legitimate. That was a legitimate uh, flaw. Um, it's like Tony's Mexicanness. Like five seconds and went back in. Uh, Johnny Ringo, <laughs> that's how it works. Johnny Ringo, uh, it's no, like, so look, he's probably your heritage, I don't have any, so it's, it's <laughs> <hard>. <laughs> So Johnny Ringo's like, he's quoting the Bible, and he quotes, like, the one that is quoted by everyone trying to sound like somewhat literary and uh, and also Obama's thing quotes Revelations, the he rode a pale horse whose name was Death and Hell followed him. And it's just like and then yeah, I mean Michael Bean just looks deep into the distance. He's no Jules Winfield. It's, it's not as intimidating as he seems to think it is. It's Jules Winfield. Uh, uh, from Jules Winfield from Pulp Fiction. The best Bible quotation. That's a movie I've not seen in a long time. A good movie, obviously. Ah. That's one I need to rewatch. We gotta see that one again. I don't know if it'd be good for the podcast, because it'll be another one that I'll just have good things to say about. (laughs) (laughs) It'll be... Like, how do I make jokes about Pulp Fiction? Remember when... Remember when? Ah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of what I'm already doing with this one. Also, Michael Bean stares off in the distance. He does it quite a bit in this, and he does it 
pretty well. Like, it's goofy, but he kind of almost sells it. It's good staring, Bean. He's, well, they, he's known as a good stare. They make it a, a first thing, I love Powers Booth. I've always loved Powers Booth when he's the bad guy. I'm scared of Powers Booth when he's the good guy. I love him. In this one, it's both. Uh, as Curly Bill Brocious. Johnny Ringo's a little more forgettable to me. Like, he's has that look where he could be the main character, but he's not, so it's just kind of like someone else's story's main hero, you know? Yeah. Because, like, you hear about how badass he's been, all he really does on camera is... Scary, whereas like Curly Bill is scary and really charming and kind of wild, crazy, having fun in a way that's kind of hard to hate, you know? Well, it's kind of weird because it's like the movie can't decide which is the main antagonist. Yeah, there's that. But also just like the cowboys as a gang, like their their pain is doing like horrible things to everyone. We don't ever actually see them do anything to any civilians except once accidentally. And the rest of the time they're only assassinating sheriffs, which they also go out of their way in this movie to show is kind of a made-up title that anyone can give themselves at random. Because the cowboys are themselves sheriffs at one point, so the herbs have to become marshals. You know? So it's sort of like a. Like, there's this, this brutal gang they keep talking about. Like, all I see them do is kill rival gang members, which is not good. But, like, I missed the part where there are these monsters that make the Old West a bloodbath, you know? I don't know if that was ever quite the point, though. No, well, they assassinated their wives and stuff, too. Like, they're obviously bad guys, but I'm just saying as far as, like, setting up someone we're going to want to see everyone take vengeance on for the second half, like, I kind of like Curly Bill, you know? Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I get that, too. And, like, 
back and forth like it's a misdemeanor don't go out there and kill guys over a misdemeanor and oh yeah he just kind of wants to it's one of those like i know who the good guys are and it's not ambiguous actually but it's more ambiguous than i feel like they meant maybe well, and, but I see. I what I'm saying though is I like that element. I like that it wasn't just like these are bad guys murdering everybody. Because one of the things that I didn't, I don't know if I totally picked up on in the first watch as much as I did this one is that. Like local sheriff or county sheriff. I don't know, there's some kind of confusion there. But the the uh, young guy who's in charge. Yeah. Behan. The uh, he's the county yeah, sheriff yeah. and then the old man is the the town marshal. Yeah. So Behan it's a, it's pretty strongly implied is working with the cowboys even to the point that he sets up uh, the assassination attempts on the herbs and their 
wise or if not sets out and he at least knows about it and is allowing it. And he's the one who later deputizes the cowboys in the first place. Like, it gets across well enough, but it definitely feels underdeveloped in the actual movie. Well, he actually comes in these for, like, the main villain, Hawks. He's got, like, he's the one who walks up to them at first and runs half the town as member of the board and also the sheriff and also the head of, like, what is called the Nonpartisan Anti-Chinese League. Uh, yes. And like, uh, it just kind of runs the whole town then hates whoever comes in and interferes with it. He might be, yeah, they didn't really develop that, but he, he might be more of a villain yeah, no, I mean, he absolutely could have been, but they don't do much with him. They don't even, like, they don't even really establish that the Earps don't like him. They mostly just sort of, uh, refuse to be arrested one time. Yeah, and then they don't, they don't really, like, it's clear they don't like him or much respect him, but they just don't bother with him. Hey, he was also in the Phantom. That's why it's As much. also the boyfriend of the main character's love interest. Who's typecast a little bit as that? Yeah, he was the uh, he was Jimmy Wells, whose character actually kind of like Sorry. Okay, but so they they murdered this whole wedding party, which I guess are all I think just Mexican police, right? Or sheriffs or. At least the main guy is, and presumably some of the people there, but like, I mean, because they killed uh, men, women, they, they killed pretty indiscriminately there. Well, no, they, they killed the wedding party, but they didn't kill anyone behind them. They killed the wedding party and the bride and the priest. The bride is definitely beyond the pale, but the wedding party... See, I can't tell because they were all wearing uniforms. That's also what wedding parties do. So I don't know if they were all the police force. I guess that's my assumption, but come to think of it, wedding parties often wear matching suits, so... 
Yeah, I don't know what I'm talking about. It could have gone either way. Anyway, uh, they, they enjoy this feast, and it cuts to them herp boys getting off a train. Lighter, played by Kurt Russell. I love Kurt Russell. I've decided this. I haven't seen a movie I haven't liked him in. He's been in many bad movies, but never one where he was the problem. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can, I can, I can agree with that. Uh, I do concur. He immediately sets about showing what kind of character he is because he sees a guy smacking a horse, not even his horse, it's not Wyatt Earp's horse, it's just a guy hitting his horse to get it off of the train, and runs up, doesn't run up, struts up, uh, takes his whip and whips him in the face with it, how much it hurts. And that's the last you see of that character. Just like, okay, so he got assaulted and went along with your day, and why it just goes off. It's fantastic. Yeah, uh, that's pretty great. This. This movie's pretty great at introducing its characters. It's not always great at what it does with them afterward. But of the herbs, why it is appropriately the most interesting one that shows from the start. Well, he's a psychopath. I think that helps a lot. Then if I recall, we pretty immediately meet Morgan and Virgil, played respectively by um, Bill Paxson and Sam Elliott, and yeah, I mean, I love those guys, those are good actors, and they're pretty rad um but I think aside from being well acted the best the coolest part about their characters in this movie is probably their mustaches <laughs> no I mean Virgil's a pretty strong character I feel like Morgan isn't by design. Like, he's kind of... He's the youngest brother who goes along with everyone else's stuff, doesn't really have his own. Yeah! Uh, I mean... Uh, and actually, I felt like that made him, uh... More... Maybe more... Not more defined, but a more believable character like 
Virgil just decided to, like, you know, he saw like, some of the chaos in town and was like, okay, we gotta stand up to this. And that's kind of as much as we got from him, really. Whereas with uh, yeah. Bill Pax's character, we get a little bit more. We get that whole thing. We get his his youth and his naivety, his excitement for the world. Like there's the scene later on where he talks about uh, spiritualism, the light at the end of the tunnel, and that comes. Uh, Pays back at the end. I feel like we got a little bit more from Bill Paxton. No, good point. Good point. I just feel like his character mostly followed other people, but he does. He, he builds on it. You're right. Um, to, I don't even say it was a shallow character, just that it's not a. Like when describing what he does in the movie, like in verbs, it's pretty much nothing except follow one of the two more dominant personalities around him. But that's okay, like that's how people are. That's yeah, yeah, and I definitely don't dispute that. It's just like, but he had more to chew on. Like, even the shootout at the OK Corral, he'd never killed a guy before. So there was a whole drama between him and Wyatt, where it's like, you don't know what you're stepping into. You don't know what it's like to kill a person. And he not only got shot, but he had to kill a guy. I wish they had done more with the ramifications of that, but, um, uh, I have time, it's a two hour movie, you got 47 characters. I know, that was the thing, I, I thought this movie was going to be a lot longer to rewatch, I thought it was going to be like three hours, I was shocked that it was two, um, and it doesn't feel so much story and character that goes into it. Uh, but especially when you rewatch it, you realize just like how much they didn't develop. And you're kind of just left to be like, oh, okay, there was a thing going on there, I guess. example, like in this senior introduces to six characters, it's the three brothers and their wives, and very temporarily like the town marshal comes up so that Wyatt can establish that he's retired and he doesn't want to, doesn't want to cop anymore. Yeah. And then it kind of just ends like the 
the wives all introduce themselves to each other. They're given kind of short shrift, but maybe they... I mean, there's Wyatt's wife is a character, but the other two just sort of seem like... She's not a character, though, really. She's more just like a... A plot device. Like, she's a minor character, but she has at least the... She is as annoyed with Wyatt about Wyatt's shit as, frankly, I would be, probably. <laughs> and, uh, it's addicted to Lana. And that's pretty much it, but, like, she plays that well, and she has different emotional states, and you can tell when she's high, and you can, like, the acting is, she's a good actor who does a lot in her scenes, I think, but that's her only role in it. But then, Morgan's wife and Virgil's wife, like, I don't know if they even had names. They probably did. But if so, they never talked about themselves or about things other than what was currently happening to the herbs. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. So, you know, that just rolls in my hair because I don't remember those two. I kind of remember one's name was Allie because that's the one that was Paul Malcolmson, but Then we cut to Doc in the poker game. Yeah. And the movie gets so much better right away. Yeah, I don't remember. So, this scene is... The cool thing about this scene is just... How unflappable Doc Holliday is, and like, cause he's always a smartass, and then someone pulls a gun, and he's still just a smartass. Like, he doesn't change in any way. It's like he's so drunk he can't even tell. What I love about his character is he's, he's dying. He's always dying. And he never gives a shit if he's about to get murdered or not because he's already always dying. And I appreciate that because he is clearly the sexiest character in the movie. But they also make him the most disgusting.
disgustingly, like, just constantly <laughs> sweaty, pale. Like, he just gets progressively grosser throughout the movie. But he still has that same swagger. He's like, God damn, you are cool. I feel like they even rubbed stuff between his teeth. Just so they would be like <laughs> stark and kind of each outlined and shit. Like, he just. He looks like he's already dead most of the yeah, time. Yeah, I agree. I didn't know a corpse could sweat that much. Or at all. And for some reason, like. They're wandering around town, all of them, the good guys at least, are wandering around town in three-piece suits all the fucking time. Like, did it get 30 degrees hotter in Arizona in the last hundred years? It might have actually come to think of it. But... Oh, <laughs> actually, never mind. It's a scary thought. Jesus. But just like, but everyone's always sweaty. Like, even the non-dying guys are pretty sweaty all the time. And everything's in immaculate and I don't know how because they definitely don't have running water so uh, yeah I, I guess I didn't notice that quite as much there's the interior of some of the or like of the main bar which is kept pretty clean but aside from that um, well, I'm mostly just talking about, like, their, their clothes, they're like, oh, oh, pressed, yeah. pressed, stark white shirts and stuff. For as much as they're out, like, walking in dirt. Walking in dirt and just, just sweating all the time. Like, everyone's always got that slight sheen. The outside scenes, at least. Yeah. And they're running around, they're shooting each other and stuff. And, like, other than blood, there's never any. It, it, it's a super minor point. I'm just saying, like, they always look very put together for the environment. Even Doc, because he's always got that, like, he's always sweaty and he's always kind of gross. He's bleeding out of the corpse's mouth half the time, and then his suits always look great. <laughs> I mean, he was pretty well to do. Yeah, I mean, he was a dentist. Well, he I don't was know a who would. I looked a little bit into his past the other night, and he 
he was a dentist who, because of his illness, he had tuberculosis, uh, basically gave that up and just became a professional gambler, which at that point, you could actually make a pretty, that was considered like a legitimate profession. I mean, it still is if you're good at it. I just don't know how you get good at a game of chances and fixed. I couldn't say I've never, well, I can't say I've never played poker, but uh, I've never been a big poker player. Even choose to Doc Holiday, who's cheating at cards, I guess. I don't or think he's he really is. good at it. No, I, he just won a couple times, and the guy's accusing him of cheating. He's just like, no. You just suck it. There's a point in the movie where he even says, like, someone. Someone accuses him of, of profiting just from this game of chance. He's like, it's not a game of chance. This is not just regular gambling. It's poker. It's a game of skill, is, is what he insists. Something to that effect. Fair enough. I got the impression he might have been cheating, though, because he's not like. This is not a character who wouldn't cheat. Uh, I don't know. Uh, he, he, he lived pretty well by his reputation in the movie and in history, I feel like. Well, sure, but he also... We're 45 seconds in the scene from him robbing the place because he decided to kill someone in it already. Like, he's not. I thought, didn't he just take the money that was on the table when she had won them? He takes the money on the table, and then he also takes the money on the crafts table. Ah, okay. Fair enough. Because... Because he figures he just committed a murder and he's already trading a gun on the guys as he's walking anyway, so he might as well fucking rob the police. I made two issue two. Nah, he's. he's great. He's. a horrible person. It's the accent. It's the effective accent and the unflappability. I, I'm not doing it justice, uh, but just that whole, like, he doesn't just not be afraid of this guy. He's sort of making fun of him as he goes. Oh my god. I, I, 
if I thought we weren't friends anymore, I could not bear it. Like, what the shit is talk like, wait. Why is this dancing is always twisting everyone for no reason? It's the kind of thing like you would hate this guy in real life. Like, it's only funny because we get to watch in this completely separate world where he does not give a fuck what anybody around him thinks. I have a few friends who are just complete assholes until it matters, but not, not like a lot of them. Well, I am judging you and them harshly. You know some of them. Do I? <laughs> <laughs> Can I be one of them? I feel like I'm kind of an asshole. No, you have to... No, you're not. You don't... You don't have the stomach for it. sequence of events that makes no sense. Yeah, it's a little confusing, too. Um, I mean, I was fine with uh, Doc and them meeting. It's then when uh, uh, something Johnson. Freak Johnson. Texas. Texas Joe, maybe? Yeah. Because they come out, they come stumbling out of a bar just nearby them, have a shootout, and kill the guy. And it's like, oh shit, okay, so we're totally gonna see, like, what the cowboys are up to, and this is where they're gonna meet the bad guys. And then it's like, no, they know these guys, and they're alright. <laughs> it's like, oh, I 
folks? Cool. I actually really like those characters, at least in that one instance, though, because then uh, the sheriff whatever goes up to him and is like, getting me the gun, so like, hey, we killed him in a fair fight, you saw he started, like, he's like, you gotta go to the judge, like, well, or nothing, nothing if not law-abiding folk and they get their guns and go off to go talk to the judge, I was like, Killed a guy and went off to go deal with it. Like, what was the line? Like, uh. Water for us always has been. <laughs> they just. They're standing over this guy who's still bleeding out. Probably isn't actually dead because the old West. Just yeah. Yeah, so they they meet the sheriff, they meet the marshal, they meet Crook Johnson and Texas Texas Jack Vermillion. Holy crap. Coolest name. Also Guy who played uh, Billy Claiborne is named Wyatt Earp. This is interesting. Okay, sorry, moving on. Yeah, no, I noticed that too on the IMDb um, page. Why would she not just cast Wyatt Earp as Wyatt Earp? Well, because you want... Because you want Kurt Russell, fair enough. This is when he immediately decides to make himself a job by... basically mugging the guy who runs the faro table at this hotel he likes who's played by Billy Bob Thornton that is not Henry uh, 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 Tyler Johnny Tyler, uh, who's just kind of this bully, he finds him, the guy who owns the bar is complaining that he's driving all the business away and only the rear front stick around because this guy's a loudmouth and a bully and no one wants to play cards with him. So Wyatt just walks up and starts smacking him in the face until he leaves. So, yeah, I still can't believe that's Billy Bob Thornton um, in that scene. Yeah, it gives me hope 
he's he's a he's a chubby one, and I'm a chubby one, and he looks great now. So maybe maybe when I'm like sixty, that's gonna be my year. You're gonna. Get all wiry. Get all wiry and have just general stubble instead of that, like, luscious beard you have presently. Ah, no, I can't go with the beard. Nope, I'll stay fat. Good point. Yeah. You got the beard, but (laughs) keep rocking it. Uh, I meet the marshal who's played by Harry Carey, whose dad was a pallbearer. Also, his name is Harry Carey, which is great. And so this guy, he's just been smacking in the face. is coming out with a shotgun to shoot him in the back. He says the best line. Which one? Uh, Kurt Russell says, Go ahead, skin that smoke wagon and see what happens. Doesn't he also tell him to jerk a pistol at some point? Mm, I don't remember that one. But the skin the smoke wagon, I never heard such a phrase and I was like Kurt Russell you dirty girl skin that smoke wagon see what happens yeah that's just nonsense line until <laughs> like until blade I'm gonna say that's the best nonsense line until blade Wait, what's the nonsense line in Blade? Uh, some motherfuckers are always trying to skate uphill. Fuck yes it is! God damn, I forgot about that one. It's the best, worst, coolest, dumbest, what is it even? But skin that smoke wagon is also very good. And then, what? Doc announces himself, and Jerry Tyler's so scared he just sort of like stands and watches them talk for a while until. What? I forget what he says to speak out, but. Yeah. Oh, I forgot you were there. Exactly. (laughs) You may go now. Such a fucking asshole. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, at that moment, Bell Cover is just like commanding this movie. I pretty much like every line that Bell Cover has in this 
this delivery just makes it all great. Like, he even wrote down, like, when he and, uh, he reunites with the herbs, and they're like, Doc, how are you doing? And he just says, Wyatt, I am rolling. <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck does that even mean? But he says it so cool, I'm like, fuck yes you are. You are absolutely I mean, as high as hell? Maybe? What? I have no idea. Because I've heard it used to be the high as hell, and I've heard it used to be like rolling in cash. Like, you know, rolling in it. I could see that working. I just know he's saying he's doing good. Even though he's clearly like a leper. And pieces are about to fall off him. Uh, he's, he's coughing up his lung, that's all. Yeah. But he looks like just <laughs> disgusting. Yeah, he's he's a corpse. I think this is uh, this is Val Kilmer's best movie as far as I'm concerned. Oh yeah, it's pretty good. I haven't seen it for a long time. Same here. Oh yeah, it's a song but this is. I haven't seen Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, actually. I think I like it a lot, but it's not as good as Doomstone, personally. I actually have a soft spot for Real Genius. That is pretty good. I didn't feel like his acting really carried the look. That's sort of a fun movie, no matter what. Yeah, it's just like a Actually, exactly. Like he's good in it, but like he's good in it, but you could have replaced him with pretty much anyone, and it would have been the same movie. Yeah. Uh, Not wrong. I feel like I don't know. So he funks the pair of their. He punks the pharaoh dealer that comes in, and then Billy Zane gets off a random wagon, and does he even say anything, or does he just kind of stand there for a while? He says some affected bullshit about the West and just um just a guess as of like oh this guy's really into himself and thinks he's cause the main point is Dan Delaney like like it's it's so why I can see her but Billy's is kind of well yeah and then she sees him and she's like Tall drink of water and a 
I am thirsty is almost <laughs> her exact line. It's a good line. But so we've been introduced to literally every character <laughs> in the entire film except for Charlton Heston who comes in for like five minutes towards the end at this point. Yeah. And then we're in the th- and then we're in the theater. Right, the the Birdcage Theater, where uh, everyone's going completely insane. Um, but also you get to see more of the Cowboys, so it's pretty cool. Curly Bill charms me a little bit more. There's um, oh god, what is his name? Billy something, right? The the gay guy. Billy Yeah, I just know him as Billy. Is that Jason Priestley? It is Jason Priestley. Billy Breckenridge is the character's name. Okay. And yeah, it's funny that you mentioned him as gay, because there's not very subtle nods at that throughout the movie. Like, twice, but nothing ever comes from it or is done with it. Well, they all. His nickname with the Cowboys is Sissy Boy. Uh, I don't even remember that. It's, it's, well, he's a sister boy, but it's, it's pretty obvious, I think, but Curly Bill's super nice to him anyway, well, not super nice to him, but nice in that weird pirate way that Curly Bill is to everyone. Well, because Billy is... Some kind of a lawman working for Behan, who is also allowing the, the he's the one allowing the cowboys to just kind of do their thing. Yeah, but I mean, he he comes in a sort of. He's a little nervous, he's not super sure-footed, like the cowboys are yelling, throwing stuff, and mocking him directly, and Curly Bill's sorry. It's okay, Bill, come here, sit next to me. And it's just like, he's being cool to everyone who's not a cop so far. And Billy, if he is a cop, so I don't know. I don't know, I just, I, I like him a lot right now. But then as soon as someone goes out and tries to reform, they shoot the juggling pins out of his hand. <laughs> um, and just to 
do it. Kind of reminds me of that Simpsons episode where Homer gets a gun and he uses it to do everything. It's not a weapon, it's a tool, so he uses it to change the channel on the TV or to turn the TV off. And it's like, like there's... Like, any, if they don't like something, they just shoot at it. They're not shooting at the person, they're just shooting in or around the area. Yeah, and I don't know... I don't know <laughs> that character's name, but the best supporting actor right there, because all he does is walk out. One of the cowboys does the other one, like, I've seen him up in some other town. He catches things. <laughs> the other one's like, let's see if he catches this. And the guy's only laughing. He's like, they're shooting at us. Yes, they're actually shooting at us. It just leaves. Uh, it's amazing. Well, the thing I liked best in that scene is just when they cut to the lawman, uh, Behan, but then even the herbs, and they just kind of smirk like, ugh, those rascals. Yeah, well, I, I feel like the herbs used to be like, the herbs are some punk ass guys. <laughs> don't. Like, they're choosing to spend their evening here, also, you know? And I also want to see what the ceiling of this theater looks like, because every audience member discharges at least three bullets into the ceiling. <laughs> And, like, at some point, the plaster gives way. That's not... If this is an every-night activity... Here they do the, um... On-the-nose literary reference again, because they have them performing a scene from Faust. And lo and behold, the devil that they're wondering about is played by the woman who is giving thirsty eyes to uh, Wyatt Earp over here. Yeah, well this is right after, because Billy Zanuck comes out for his thing, and... Sister boys giving thirsty eyes to Billy Zane. <laughs> and I just I just wanna point out once more how cool Curly Bill is to his people. Cause it's clearly not socially acceptable. And he just straight up says like, so what do you think, Billy? He's like, I think he's wonderful. And 
Cody is like, ah, ha, 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 yeah. <laughs> like, look, my friend has a crush on this guy. Maybe we'll hook him up later. I don't know. He's just cool. Sorry. And he goes on to the, uh, the Faust thing. <laughs> it's such a weird scene. I, it's like, it's almost surreal. I don't get the, uh... I think it's mostly an excuse to just have all the characters in one place again. But I just feel like the show they're putting on, it's like 30 second snippets of eight different things. Yeah. Like, like he does one speech from Henry VIII. Yeah. But not even the whole thing, like the last four sentences of the St. Christmas Day speech. Well, that's, that's part of the thing, whereas I felt, whereas, again, this feels like a much longer movie that got cut down a lot, because I'm like, that had to be a longer scene, because, like, I'm going to do this one scene, and it's like, this didn't even do the whole speech. But if he, but I'm saying like as a evening's variety show anyway, like it's not they're going to see Henry VIII, it's not they're going to see Faust, it's they're going to see like open mic night, kind of. Actually, I guess this is probably what it's open mic night. Fair enough, never mind. Everything's fine. <laughs> so that ends. They all go back to the Orientals, the name of the hotel that they have decided is basically their hangout because uh, why it's the Pharaoh dealer and Virgil and Morgan are just kind of there all the time. Do they own a stake in, or is it just like. I missed that part. Um. They're protecting it and running the card tables, I believe, because they can actually stand up to the clientele. Is the impression I get from it? Gotcha. We have the first rumblings of Wyatt's marriage being terrible. Uh, because his wife wants him to spend time with her. Bitch. <laughs> and he's like. <laughs> You know what he should do is he should cheat on her and we should all cheer for him. Yeah, that's the wonderful part of the movie. Is, uh, yes. he, 
Like, their marriage is like a marriage from Skyrim, which always made me laugh when I played what? Skyrim. Hold on, hear me out. What the shit, Tony? No, no, no. Because I was just talking about this with Garrett, about Skyrim and ESO. And in Skyrim, you know, if you get married, they just stay in your house. And you go out, you travel the world, anytime you come back, they're just there doing God knows what. Just sitting down, like, oh, you're back. And they're just, like, happy to see you. It is the creepiest relationship. Um, that is the kind of marriage I want. Well, um, I know a video game where you can find it at least. No, 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 because no, in the video game you have to be the guy who goes out and travels the world. I want a nice wife who will go out and do important things while I get to hang out here. <laughs> and I'll do my podcasts, and I'll play video games, and I'll read books all day. And then when she comes back, I'll ask her what she did. Have interesting stories that when she leaves, I will also be here. That sounds so. You want to be? You want to be the? You want to be Wyatt Earp's wife in this scenario? I want to be. She's basically just in a video stuck. Game. She's just. Sitting at home, bored out of her mind because her husband is busy and constantly f like making eyes at the, the actress who's coming to town. And so she just is at home, like, I guess I'll just do drugs all the time. Yeah. Um. Yes, but, I do. But, but that aside, uh, this is one of my favorite scenes in the movie because you have everybody gathered together and finally get to meet Curly Bill and. Johnny Ringo meet Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday and they exchange some uh, some banter and some insults and Johnny Ringo don't take to that oh actually it leads to one of the 
most awkward sparring bits where they they make fun of each other in Latin. And it just sounds yeah. it sounds terrible. Like it does not sound cool. Well it's only like really well known Latin phrases, so it doesn't even it's not like they speak Latin, it's they've memorized the most common Latin phrases. I I think like they're shooting mottos back and forth to each other. But I didn't uh, recognize most of them. But I think it's pretty appropriate that, I mean, because it, it, it works well enough from Doc Holliday, him slurring Latin because he's drunk. It's just like he's crazy person and it just comes off as desperate and awkward from Johnny Ringo but I feel like that's also appropriate it, it's a fantastic scene but at least the best the part yeah no well I mean I still like the last Beginnings were just because the whole, like, the entire evening sort of just. The, like, the actors come by and it's sort of established that why it's not gonna cheat right away, even though he's about to. And that, like, Sheriff also likes her, and Billy Zane is kind of just there and popular. Like, nothing really happens until uh, after this awkward Latin exchange, the uh, Johnny Ringo draws his weapon. Yeah. And they're like, cool off, man. Wait, what? Well, so, so Johnny Ringo, like, they're sparring in Latin. And Val Kilmer's just staying, staying cool as a cucumber. Johnny Ringo is getting increasingly agitated until he draws his gun. And everybody's like, whoa, no need for that. And they do that pan underneath the uh, poker table where you see Kurt Russell reaching for a sawed-off shotgun and just, like, pointing it under the table. Like, it's got some decent tension to the scene. And then Johnny Ringo kind of, like, cools off and, like, draws back his weapon. And then he starts 
winging it and spitting it and doing like all these cool like gunslinger tricks with it. That's the part you're talking about, right? Yeah, which is kind of waving it. He's doing the thing. I did this as a kid. I assume you did too. Oh yeah, I still uh, do it now. Or, oh, I, I believe you. <laughs> I do it with scissors. I do it with whisks and kitchen utensils. Oh, I I did it with a forty-four. When I was a kid, killed a lot of neighborhood kids. <laughs> but he's doing the, you know, just the, the gunslinger thing. He's spinning it around his trigger finger. Really not that impressed with his tricks, I don't think. I, I, I mean, I can't do it myself. It's not super flourishing, it's just like he spins it up and he spins it down, he spins it left and he spins it right. He spins it forward and backwards and just doing the spin thing a lot to just saber rattle that he's really dexterous. Yeah. And kill Doc Holiday. And everyone around, yeah, no. And then everyone around cheers and is really impressed, like, oh, oh shit, what you gonna do now? And fucking gross, sweaty Val Kilmer <laughs> finishes his whiskey. Just starts twirling his cup around his fingers, doing the same motions. But not even like smoothly, just like you jackass. No one cares. Watch. Whoa. Whoa. It's so good. And everyone's laughing. Even Curly Bill is entertained. It's like, that's pretty funny. And the only one who's very not amused is Johnny Ringo. Oh, because he's taking it all so seriously. Which is great when Curly Bill's right next to him. I made you look like a jackass. <laughs> and like, Curly Bill has no side this contest because he doesn't care. But I think that was the moment, the true moment where I knew I loved this movie and not just Mel Kilmer. That was incredibly fun. 
No, it's fantastic. Val Kilmer in Tombstone in 1993 taught me how to stand up to bullies. <laughs> and it's to make sure everyone's room knows they're stupid. And that, it has always no, worked so far. Pretty fantastic, yeah. But then, awkward smash cut to wide up in the mountains just riding his horse and that lady's there. And this is the part where I'm sure something must have been cut because it's jarringly sudden. Yeah, and this is the part of the like, especially on a rewatch, we're like, okay, yeah, there's definitely parts of this movie that just don't care about. And it's him. First of all, Wyatt Earp is cool, and he's a cool character, but because of the angle that they're going at with the romance, where He's torn between duty and this wife that he doesn't actually care about and this woman that he's attracted to. They basically, like, his interactions with this woman are he's a fuddy-duddy and she likes to live life. <laughs> and... Well, it's like, it, I don't want to see the first in that way. That's funny, Daddy. Yeah, it, it's like, they made Wyatt Earp not cool for, like, two scenes. <laughs> it's like, fuck! God, are you kidding me? Like, What, well, I like the... I think it kind of fits with his character up to this point because he's been very I don't know what I want to do next but I think like making money and selling the place is good and I have a wife now and I'm doing good and everything's good no, it's definitely not bad. It's what you're what you're describing. This this part is definitely not bad. And like it works, it works for the character, it works for the movie. It just is a sharp decline in how interesting the movie was. Huh. That's my feeling. Oh, yeah. That's interesting. I, I thought I... Like, the, the ride is weird and the awkward kind of like... My horse wants to fuck your horse. <laughs> like, that's... Not super comfortable. But the, uh... Like, which just 
asks him sort of point blank if he's happy, and he's sort of like, oh, I, I don't even, like, don't smile all the time like an idiot. <laughs> like, I kind of like the, uh, it, it got to what's going on with him a little bit better. It's like, he doesn't ask those kind of questions, and he didn't. No, like he, everything was going to paper, so he's good, you know. Uh, yeah, and I like that aspect of it. It's mostly just the context of it that I'm just like, what? Well, I don't like how she's just kind of. I don't know if manic. Pixie Dream Girl's trope yet, but that's her role right now. Yeah. Like, she comes out of nowhere like, oh, she's weird and quirky. She's gonna change your life. Why? Like, I've seen this. I've seen this, you assholes. But, uh, it's done a little bit better. Yeah. And I think that's why, like, I'm immediately turned off. Uh, but it's done a little bit better. I, I think a lot better, actually, than it usually is. Just because she's, A, based on a real person, and B, actually a lot more kind of, I feel like the word emotional intelligence gets thrown around a lot. Doesn't make any sense in context most of the time, but she's a lot more in touch with things than he is in a way that's tropey and a little more believable just given who the characters are. I guess I don't really ever given enough time I feel like to really I, I never found her charming quite frankly like she's fine she's attractive woman who is that trope you just mentioned but feel like there wasn't any part where it was like, oh, I kind of like this character. I like spending time with her. I was just like, okay, now we're following her. She was like, she was a little bit more developed than a lot of, than some of the other, like, sort of second characters like Billy Zane like she obviously has more screen time than Billy Zane but I, I don't feel like she was much more developed than him or a lot of the other ones or Jason Priest well definitely more than Jason Priest but I don't know she's just too underdeveloped for me to really care about and the only 
development she's really given is in her attraction to Russell Crowe and Russell Crowe, Kurt Russell, <laughs> and, and what she brings and what she means to him. Uh, for me, that was the she was the least interesting. The romance was the least interesting part of the movie. That's fair. I don't disagree. I, I feel it needed more attention or less. Yes. Uh, like it could have been a bigger part. I would have been okay with it. But it feels like it kind of just refused to fill in around the edges of what they were trying to do. Like, like it ends after one of the more emotional scenes in the movie, which we'll talk about more later, and then just kind of tacks on as the last minute and a half, which... I feel like they either need it to be more of a focus, which this was the time to establish it earlier on here, or not bother with it as much. I completely agree. But I don't think any of it's particularly badly handled. There's just not enough of it or too much of it. No, I also agree. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's fine. But it's... It also gets off on the wrong foot, I think, because that cut is so awkward that, like, for the first 30 seconds of the scene or something, sort of like, wait, where even are we? happening still which doesn't happen again like this is the worst cut in the movie I think but it's noticeable uh but then we cut back to Wyatt coming home after all this and showing he's dissatisfied with his wife even though she clearly knows how to part <laughs> because while he's been out doing his weird torture getting interviewed by the actress thing she's been just high as shit in their house and thinking everything's very funny which is kind of weird with what happens in the scene which is like he asks her like wouldn't you like to not have kids like we're going to just like go live on room service because that's what the girl suggested to me for the first time four hours ago I don't have my own aspirations and she says no I think it's silly but like she 
DC is more like she'd be down for that than most of the characters. She's kind of just like, yeah, I like nice rooms and, and being high. Like, well, I kind of get the sense that the being high is partly due to the fact that she's just left to herself all day. Again, like us, you think it's always depressed, Sora? Yes, yeah, sort of. <laughs> 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 She's not in Skyrim, Tony. You gotta move <laughs> I just can't believe what I did to Lydia. What did you do to Lydia? I married her. Actually, no, I married, I married a different character, but then she just lived in my house and didn't do anything. She supposedly ran a shop, but I never saw any customers. I don't know where she's getting that money. Uh, it's very suspect, that's all I'm saying. I just, I would love to be an NPC in a video game if I get to just stay, you know. This, if there's only a one player character in the universe, I would love to own an item shop. Because never have to do anything. Because no one else shops. It's that one guy. If that one guy comes back, I gotta have my stuff too. Otherwise, it's good. <laughs> so, Russ, uh, I Russell comes home, and he's he's dissatisfied. <laughs> yeah, I I just I can't not. Definitely not the bad good story. I feel like we're supposed to think she is, but she's not. I, I don't think we're supposed to think she's a bad guy just so much as we want him because he's the main character to find some better happiness. But oh. It's, it's definitely awkward to watch that part. Yeah, it's sort of the... I mean, I mean, it's her, too. Like, he wants to talk to her, and she doesn't really want to talk, and that's her prerogative, and it's fine. But, like, neither of them is putting much into it, it seems like. But I also have never been married, so I don't know what it's supposed to be like, so never mind on that. But neither of them seem at all happy. 
which is nicely contrasted with whenever you see like Virgil and his wife, they seem great, you know? Oh, yeah. Which I would be too if I was uh, married to Sam Elliott, like, if we're being honest, that'd be... That's the... That's the guy I want going out into the world of Skyrim and saving the world while I'm at home reading books and just like uh, arranging armor you're never going to use again because your stats are too low or whatever the hell your Skyrim wife does. I would be a great Skyrim wife to Sam Elliott. I know he's a listener, I'm just saying, Sam, get at me. So there's no video games in Skyrim. Video games aren't that big a part of my life, man. I just know what oh, they are. Well, you were the one mentioning you wanted to just be home playing video games earlier. Yeah, I want to be home playing video games because they're such a small part of my life right now. I need more time for them, so I'll know what you're talking about when you mention characters like Lydia, who I only know is in Skyrim because everyone who plays Skyrim mentions her. So Curly Bill does much of opium and accidentally murders Sheriff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Does he get arrested? He does. He does get arrested. Yeah, but it's a. Uh, but after he kills the sheriff. Yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> I'm, trying, I'm trying to remember how the scene plays out. He's in this tent. He's in the opium tent doing his, his his opium, and then he he does that weird kind of wandering around, waving his hands, "I'm high as hell" thing. Says he feels capital, and starts shooting at the moon. Remember? Yes. Do you remember that? I remember all the way up to him killing the sheriff and the argument between Behan and the sheriff on whose jurisdiction this was. Like, Behan is such a fucking coward. He's like, ah. So everyone's like, oh, we need to do something about this. He's like, it's, it's your jurisdiction, not mine. You gotta go. He says this like fucking old guy. He says John Hammond out to go stop this crazy uh, super high gangster with a gun. 
Right, because he's the county sheriff and he comes into the bar and tells the town marshal, who's 70 years old in the movie, I think in real life he's like 30, but whatever, uh, that he has to go deal with it. But then it, like, it looks like it actually is an accident. Which is kind of interesting, cause like, cause Curly Bill's high as hell and he hands him his joke, his guns, and he definitely shoots him in the chest like as a joke on purpose. But then kind of immediately sort of panics and looks confused and like, kind of remorseful right away. He's like, wait, wait, Bill, get up, or whatever his name is. What is his name? Marshall Fred. Fred. He's like, Fred? Hey, hey, Fred, and like, kind of feel bad for him a little bit because he definitely didn't mean to kill his friend just there. I don't know if I'd go as far as say they were friends, but yeah, he definitely... Well, he didn't dislike the guy, it seems like. Yeah. No, but just as a... as a... Just another of the situations complicates the wrong word, but not as like good and evil thing. Like it's obviously he's super reckless. He just murdered an old man because he was super high. This is not a uh it's not a not a problem sort of situation. But I like how there is that touch of like, oh shit. <laughs> I, I got too high and I killed a guy that I don't actually dislike. Like, that's a, uh, a different than a typical villain motivation. Very, very relatable. We've all been there. Yeah, like who hasn't gotten super high and killed a couple <laughs> marshals specifically <laughs> of your county? <laughs> That's. No, no, it's just a little relatable, yeah, like actually, just as far as a, this guy has no idea what he's doing and tries to play it off all the time, but clearly doesn't actually have any sort of a plan, you know. It's interesting. Behan watches the whole situation and doesn't even react when he watches the 
the marshal just get gunned down. Yeah. He's he's literally too busy trying to get with the actress. He's like, come on, baby, let's get out of here. Well, he even seems to think it's kind of funny because after he just has that never a dull moan tombstone that's like your friend yeah. is dead <laughs> right there wider steps up yeah and uh, does like a pretty cool thing like just character wise cause like he comes up he's like he knocks uh, Curly Bill unconscious. He's like, I'm taking him in. And a bunch of townsfolk come in. He's like, you gotta hang him. He just killed the marshal. He's like, no, he's gotta stand before a judge. And then you have the gang members also like, you better let him go. So there's this nice, like, He's doing the right thing, but he's also doing, but he's like literally standing for law, which is his character. He's like, I am the law. I'm, uh, even though he's not the lawman right now, it's interesting for who he is. Because he's, at this point, still not a lawman here. Yeah, how for the first, like, ten seconds he's protecting Curly Bill from the mob, and then he's protecting the mob and trying to make Curly Bill face punishment from the Cowboys. Is this part where he threatens to turn, uh, his head into into canoe? Yes, it's fucking awesome. Like, it is also great because it's like, he's got no, he has literally no stake in this. He's like, you want to come at me? You guys could probably kill me, but I'm going to turn your head into a canoe first. And that's when Val Kilmer comes out, Doc is, comes out with his gun. And I forget the guy's name, but the blonde dude is like, you look like you're seeing double. <laughs> he pulls out two guns. He's like, that's why I got two guns, one for each of you. <laughs> well, it's also the, I mean, this movie has so many badass lines. Like, I just, I could just write them down, recite them. But the, uh, when Wyatt's holding the gun to, what is Steve Lane's character's real name? Ike Clinton. Yeah. Uh, Bill Clinton's brother. And he's got the gun to his forehead says he's going to turn his head to canoe his friends is like not take him he's bluffing and Stephen Lynch's like no he's not no he's not <laughs> it's this great 
Ethereum, like, no, he, he will, he will murder me, you don't understand. <laughs> and then, one of the things I like, also, Kurt Russell put himself in the middle of this. He's not invested, but he, he, was, he put his life on the line. He's like, go ahead, come at me. And then the next scene is them just kind of complaining about how they took him to the judge. The judge says, did you, did you have a witness and saw him shoot him? It's like, no. It's like, well, then there's no murder then. And let the guy go. And, and Carl's just like, you believe that? Well... None of our business anyway. It just like brushes it off. <laughs> and I really liked that actually. Yeah, just sort of like, well, you know, he had he had reefer madness. We can't do anything. <laughs> 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 but I like that like he legitimately he's like I have no stake in this but this is what like he's a man of duty like I gotta go make sure this guy goes to a judge and judge might just let him go that's fine that's up to the judge but my duty is to fucking make sure this guy is held to account and it happened like finishes that task he's like yeah it's fine whatever we did our thing now we're playing pool yeah but that scene before also works cause it's constantly ramping up the tension between the herbs and the cowboys and this movie does that like really pretty well. Yeah, it sort of shows how the everything is sort of a tit-for-tat back-and-forth vengeance game that's a little bit bigger each time. Yeah. And I, I like that in this. I, th I felt like the movie did really pretty well and believably where it has this sort of inevitable feel it doesn't feel contrived at all well I mean it helps a lot that it's real events I think like yeah but this is a feud that arose out of these things happening which yeah help screenwriters out a lot, I think. <laughs> like, I think mostly what they did, I, I, I've heard of the, uh, the OK Corral fight specifically is so based on historical events they actually choreographed it based on what actually happened where people were standing and everything. Well, that's kind of cool. 
Obviously it wasn't perfect because Doc Holliday shoots three blasts out of a double barrel shotgun and I noticed that it actually took me out of the movie a little bit. Uh, I think I did too actually. It's just, it's such a clumsy like, like, hit that out, it takes me out of the fight. But, uh, it, I'm being pedantic. But I think the only things that really changed about, like, the broad events was how quickly and closely together they took place. Like, a lot of this wasn't one night, it was months apart and all that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, of course, the vengeance, right? He didn't kill a hundred people. He killed, like, four. But still, like, everything leading up to it seems like it was true. And that's pretty interesting to me. I like it. Is this part where Virgil goes out into the street and just randomly has to save a kid from possibly getting trampled by cowboys riding by? Yes. Which is kind of the most character development we get from Virgil. Like, he saves a kid and then the woman says something that weighs on his oh, she just con. She doesn't say anything. She's just got a big old face scar. Oh. Oh, yes, she does. And then he feels the weight of his conscience and becomes a marshal? Yeah, because he just... Well, to replace the dead one, right? Like, we need to appoint a new one, so he just gets right. it. Yeah. And he deputizes Morgan. And so, like, it literally cuts to him putting up with the new ordinance of no guns in town. Yeah, which is ironic. I think Arizona's pretty much an open carry state at this point, isn't it? I would not know. The uh, desert and heat of that state means I will probably never go there. That's probably fair. Because I will. I will turn into a bottle. This probably the only time I stopped there for like lunch on the road one time. Just everyone was packing and ready to kill me. And I'm not this type and I gotta go. Because I'm not armed and I'm nervous and everybody around me is.
but I never stopped in Tombstone specifically. I guess that would be different. If I was in Tombstone specifically, and everyone was armed with teeth, it would feel kind of right. And I would get a whiskey. We should go to Tombstone. We should go to Tombstone sometime. Yeah. Just for an afternoon. For like, what you guys do? Like, well, we went to a bar. We had one drink. We got scared. We slept <laughs> very quickly. And then we drove. Four states away again. <laughs> like, so they have the town ordinance. I'm trying to remember what happens next. There's the they put up the the no guns allowed in town thing and then there's a confrontation at the bar again with Stephen Lang and that's right it's so crazy to me that that's Stephen Lang I can't believe that's Stephen Lang and I can't believe it's Charleston Heston I mean, I can't after the fact. I just can't believe I didn't recognize him. And I can't believe that's Billy Bob Thornton. I'm like, you don't, you look like completely different people in this. But, um, yeah, so they're at the bar again. And this is where Stephen Lang, like, starts making some pretty big threats, right? Yeah, but it's, it's to Doc at first, because Doc is high as a kite, and he's been awake for like 36 hours. That's right. Uh, he's been like winning... Okay. He's been like winning crazily at poker, and that's where Stephen Ling is like, Fuck you, you are obviously a cheat. And starts talking shit. Yeah, like he won 12 hands in a row or something, they said. Yeah. Which that does sound not unlike cheating. I'm just gonna say. <laughs> have one of my favorite lines at least from Stephen Lang because Doc Holliday gets really nasty sick and starts coughing up blood and they have he passes out and they have to carry him out and Stephen Lang's like what what the hell is this problem Bartender's like, he's a lunger. <laughs> so like, well, I hope you die. 
hope you die. Yeah, that's pretty great. And then he insults the bartender and walks right into Sam Elliott, who just like knocks him unconscious, I think. Looks like he smacks the bartender and tries to get his guns back so he can go maybe do something. Yeah, because he keeps making threats. He's like, you guys are going to pay. You guys are going to see Lawman. And then Samuel is just like, fuck you. It's very satisfying when the herbs just like, or, or Doc Holiday, just like, knock one of these dudes out, or just like, put him down in some way, and they're just like, and they just sulk. Yeah, whoever taught these guys to pistol with people, I want to take a class from, because because the herbs like didn't even need to shoot their guns, just smack people in or around the head or shoulders <laughs> with their guns and they go down instantly. Yeah. But then he lets them go like the very next day and it's not even a big deal except the cowboys. Pride is hurt, so it's a huge deal. Yeah, there's that one cowboy. He's... I don't recognize the actor, but, like, he makes a threat to Sam Elliott, and then he bumps into Wyatt Earp, who's walking in. He's like, watch it! And Wyatt Earp's just cool. He's like, oh, I'm sorry, my bad. He's like, yeah, it is real bad. And I'm just like, oh my god, I so want Wyatt Earp to just kick this guy's ass right now. Well, he, he does, right? Like, isn't this the one where he grabs the guy's gun out of his own hole? Yeah, and then he pistols him with it. He just yeah. collapses. Well, because the guy does that thing where he, like, pulls his jacket back to show him, like, you better be careful, I'm armed, I have this gun, this gun right here, this gun on my waist. <laughs> and why just grabs it out of his holster, smacks him in the face with it. It's my favorite non-verbal thing in this entire movie. Well, you don't necessarily get the sense that any of these gang members, these cowboys, are smart or good fighters. They're just amoral and have been allowed to get away with doing whatever they want. And because they have the numbers, 
and they have a few really good marksmen on their team, no one fucks with them. But like, cause like, Wyatt Earp could take out all, like, all that little group that was there by himself, I'm sure. No problem. Cause those guys... Oh. You see later on in a fight, like in a gunfight, they're firing, they can't hit the broadside of a bar. Well, you see later on in a fight between four herps and five cowboys that two of the herps get seriously injured. Like they they do a pretty good job at like white herbs not such a badass that he's capable of not getting murdered except for that one time that's literally what happened. <laughs> I was about to say I was like <laughs> overblown and corny as this movie is on purpose to do a pretty good job of not having that like he's the main character so he has nothing to worry about for any of these people thing that other action movies do like he's not gonna bullet time his way out of guys trying to kill him or something, you know? Yeah. Uh, also, did you know that Kurt Russell is starring, or did star in a 2018 movie called The Christmas Chronicles, and it looks like he is Santa Claus. I either really want to see that movie or I really don't want to see that movie and I can't decide. Well, look at like the picture from it because for me it's very much want to see it. <laughs> oh, okay, so this isn't even old. This is new. This is 2018. This is this, this is year. coming. This is like it's not even out yet. Yeah, it's it's like a Christmas movie that we're gonna see together next month when I no, come back to California. Why would you do this? What? You wanna watch this? This looks sad. Uh, it's starring Kurt Russell, and I know he's gonna be good in it, and the rest doesn't matter. He's also got a leather Santa suit, and he might kick someone's ass, I'm not sure yet. Alright, well I'm in for that. Okay, sorry, but, but announcement out there to guys around in Mansfield if you want to do a watch along or something 
we're gonna see movie this put out in the last 10 years. <laughs> um, which is, what, Christmas Chron- Christmas Chronicles. It does look pretty bad. Okay, okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. So Doc's dying at this point because he did his 36-hour binge and he has not recovered from it. He's in bed. And I love this part because this doctor's saying, you know, you really should be resting. Uh, you can't smoke anymore. And, you know, he, the doc's indulging. He's being polite. You know he's not going to take his advice, but he's being polite. Like, he can't smoke more. Like, he's like, and he shouldn't be drinking anymore. And, he sort of looks at Kate and looks back at Doc and sort of like, you might have to resist some of your, uh, marital, your, your marital impulses. And Doc's being just like, get the fuck out. <laughs> but he's not. <laughs> he doesn't say that like that's all right. Nah. Like, I would rather die, sir. <laughs> and that's the last we see Kate this so like you get the impression they break up, right? But they never actually say it. I did not get that impression. Quite the opposite. I got the impression like they're staying together. It's just after this point, things start ramping up. And so he's like on the road after this, basically. Yeah, it was a weird. Because he says they need to have a talk about their relationship. While she's like, <laughs> like it, it, it's a little too much because she like puts a cigarette in his mouth and like also pours a drink or something. She's like, ignore the doctor. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and you're gonna like it. Yeah, but he does. No, he definitely does, but I thought they were breaking up. It's just that the last time you see her, I I think she's just like, she's she's going down on him, right? And then she sort of cuts away. Yeah, yeah. But then you never see her again. And this but is I right think, after. And I think that's one of those things of just like, there wasn't an opportunity to show her that wouldn't kind of kill the pacing of the movies. Pretty much the next scene, the movie is random. Right. Well, I mean, like, 
you see him convalescing later and stuff, and she's not there. Well, he convalescing when he's... The next time you see him convalescing, they're not in Tombstone, though. Right, but I just mean at some point they break up. That's all I'm saying, and it, it seems like it might be right here because he's... Because the scene starts with we need to talk, and then what well, just like I'm a good woman says you are a good woman, or possibly the Antichrist. <laughs> it's this whole like I don't know. I just I got the it was a weird scene. If they're not breaking up. And the fact that you never see her again in the runtime of the movie makes me think that's what it's supposed to be about. But it's another one of those ones that seems cut down to not really serving the purpose it was meant to serve anymore. Maybe. I mean, I definitely, from that scene, have gotten the impression that He's like, well, if I don't end it with her, or if we don't change things, I'm going to die. And she's like, come on, do these things. And he's like, I'm going to die. Like, to me, that was him choosing to live his way, even though it was going to kill him. Um, which fits with his character and also what he says at the end. Um, I think the fact that we don't see her again is just like, I mean, we don't see a lot, like, we don't see, I don't think we see the wife of Wyatt again after, like, the next scene or two. Like, I think she dies off-screen, even. Well, but she... She breaks up with them. Like, you see her walk away. Like, you know when their marriage is over. Hmm. I thought she died off-screen. I could, I could be wrong. No, she did, but she died off-screen long after leaving water. I'm saying, I did not take that to be them breaking up. I think the movie just moved away from Tombstone shortly thereafter. No, fair enough. It could, it could go either way because the dialogue also seemed to undercut the breakup that I thought was happening. Uh, but I'm just, I'm mostly just saying this is one of those scenes that I thought was kind of confusing to me. Because it seemed to be pulling two different directions with the dialogue and with its place in the movie. Yeah, that's all. The next scene I think is just before the shootout, right? 
Yep. So the guys, the cowboys coming to town. It's pretty good. Guns. With their guns. And with like six of them. And that's the thing. I mean, and again, this is from... This part is from actual history, but like, just on a story level, I actually love this. That... You know, they get word that uh, the gang is in town with their guns. And they're like, we're going to go take it from them. Like, you go and take it from them, you're going to, like Kurt Russell saying, uh, you go and take, try to take the guns from them, you're going to have a gunfight. You want to instigate all that over a misdemeanor? And he's like, the law is the law. Like, I, I, I really liked that discussion between those characters. And then Kuros is like, fuck, well, you better swear me in then, because I'm going with you. Yeah. And. Better swear me in, which is just a thing they can do, which is part of why it's so. <laughs> it seems like two rival gangs are like, okay, so Virgil is willing to go kill people over kind of a source of pride, and the swearing in processes I would like you also to help me kill people it's like okay <laughs> so it's these sides do not seem legitimate is all I'm saying I don't totally agree I mean because I think it's less a matter of pride for Sam Elliott's character a matter of these guys have been getting away with just looking away on misdemeanors this whole time and that's why this town is like this and that leads to the murders because like Curly Bill didn't necessarily If 
mouth <laughs> for another like 15 minutes and still watch the fucking thing. <laughs> I do not get tired of it with the music and stuff. In fact, is, don't they, they reproduce this, it's over the credits, right? It's just this scene kind of on loop while the credits go. I did not notice that. I did not stay for uh, the credits, though. Gotcha. Well, I think it cuts back to the the four silhouettes walking down the street for, you know, hands over their faces for the actor's name, then it keeps going back out for the whole song, so. Uh, anyway. Guess you better swear me in. Hell of a thing for you to say to me. Okay, Corral. Yeah. They get there. The Jews aren't even doing anything. They're just like dunking their heads and barrels of water and hanging around. They all like get tense when the Poe show up. Well, they're waiting around for a fight. You've waited around for a fight before, right? Like after school or. Yeah, but they just uh, seem like they're they're having a good time and then these guys show up. They seem a little surprised by the uh the sheriffs or marshals or whatever it is they are. I think they're marshals, because B had still the sheriff. I do love though that when they show up, because the whole walk through town, Doc looks just like about to collapse. He's like hunched and sick and gross. And as soon as they get there, they're like, we're here to take your arms. And the guy's like, Hell you are they draw their they start like going for their weapons and then everyone else like goes for theirs. Doc just like shrugs off the coat hanging on his shoulders and like raises his rifle and it's just like standing tall and erect and he just like looks like completely different. I mean, he's still gross and sweaty, but like his posture has completely changed. Like he is ready to fight. What did they do? The the dramatic close-up of everyone's face, where you know, cuts to all eleven combatants and everyone's really nervous and sort of twitchy and looking back and forth and doing that whole thing. Except Doc just like winks. (laughs) (laughs) 
because he's not calling and he would very much like to murder someone, please. Yeah. That's fantastic. I even it's like the worst, Tony. No, he's amazing. <laughs> he's... Don't you, don't you solely his name. He's a good man. Um, I like that because there's the, the guy shooting at him is behind the horse and so he shoots up in the air and the horse scares and then he sh has a clear shot of the guy. Yeah, oh that's the, the magic three uh, slug holding shotgun though. I just remember the, the two, first two shots. That's no, he also gets the, uh... Ah, oh, hell, I don't remember. I just like, remember that. It took me out for a minute, because I, I, was, I was really dialed in and didn't realize they weren't following the rules. So that and then he bothers me a disproportionate amount. Yeah, but I would say it bothers me a disproportionate amount compared with how much detail I could bother me in other movies. Because it's a very tense scene, I'm trying to follow what's happening exactly. And then he has a magic extra bullet, which is... Not the worst thing ever, but does mean that I don't know what the rules are, you know? I mean... Yes, except, I don't know, if... If it's like it's, a it's one... Fine. If, if it's a one-time thing and not like a, they constantly have infinite bullets, then it's just a movie flub as far as I'm no, I mean, it, it, it's fine. I do love the end of this scene when there's one guy left and Doc just walks up to him. He's already wounded, the guy. Uh, and the guy's like, I'm gonna kill you, you son of a bitch. And he's just like, he puts his arms out. As the guy's raising the gun, so it's like, you're a daisy if you do. And then the guy, like, he's got the gun almost up to, uh, Doc's head. Doc's just going, boom! And shoots him, like, oh, super quick. Doc doesn't kill him, Morgan kills him. They both fire on Morgue and uh, Doc fire him up, fire on him at the same time. I thought it was a little bit confusing the which it was okay. shot, but like I went back to it because um, I wasn't totally sure what happened at first. And Doc definitely shoots him. Like oh. you see Morgan aiming and he fires, and it's like. Almost at the same time, you cut Ben to the 
guy getting hit just as Doc is also turning and shooting at him. Okay. Fair enough. And then Sheriff Also, I think the best part for me is I Clanton Stephen Lang surrenders halfway through, throws his gun down, dives into like the photography studio next door, seals Behan's gun out of his like Police and then yeah. immediately starts firing through the window again. Like he's he keeps retreating and then attempting to murder these guys. And then retreating and attempting to murder these guys. Like this is third surrender so far. <laughs> says I'm gonna arrest you uh, and Kurt Russell is just like you know I don't think I'm gonna let you arrest us today <laughs> I've decided we are not under arrest thank you very much <laughs> <laughs> and Behan doesn't push it it's like good well Doc's right there what are you gonna do the shootout of the OK Corral. It was pretty, pretty well handled. Uh, I don't have any issues with it. It is significantly more realistic than every other fight scene for the rest of the movie. So it stands out a little bit. Like, yeah. Okay, this is a 30 second shootout where only like five people die and one runs away and a bunch of misses happen and a bunch of bullets get spent because it's based on the real shootout. How come from then on you can kill eight guys with one bullet that you fucking curve or something? Ah, <laughs> uh, but it's very good. And the funeral procession is very good, I think. Yeah. The very next oh, thing we're continuing to the suspense and the tension in the town. Yeah, because they're just, they're walking behind the whatever, the, the hearse, the meat wagon, the whatever you call it, that's taking the dead cowboys to Boot Hill. And there's so many living cowboys in the procession they're just walking past the herb's house and 
could see them and they see them back and they have a sign that says like murdered in tombstone they're like drumming up by the shit by the sheriffs and the marshals or whatever like they're basically yeah they're 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 complaining in their funeral I mean it's like a protest march but yeah they're clearly also a show force and there's just the three guys and one doesn't have an arm right now it's uh, really tense the scene immediately following that is also one of my favorite scenes cause that's when well, for one thing, you have <laughs> Billy, who is like the deputy under Sheriff Behan, complain to the Earps that they killed his friends. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't want to talk to you because you killed my friends. And no, it's like right is, and it's like, what are you? He's got a badge like on his coat. It's just, it's, it's really funny to me. But that's not the part that I love. Because the part that I love is obviously Michael Bean coming stumbling out drunk and calling out the herbs and saying, like, oh, I'm gonna kill you, Clark. You're gonna fight me. And, and White Herb is just like, no, no, I don't want to do that. There's no money in that. And Michael Bean says something to the effect of, "Well, you, you don't ever, you don't ever play for blood." And that's when you hear off screen, "I'm the Huckleberry." And Doc's at the barber, but <laughs> finds something he'd rather be doing, which is a murder. <laughs> okay, again, what he say he's not a good guy, but. <laughs> I still stand by him because the guy he's challenging to a duel is challenging his best friend. And he's saying, I want your blood. It's like, you want his blood? That means you want mine, friend. And so I love that, uh, Doc 
just like he steps up in the coolest way possible. He says, that's my game. I'll be a, I'll be a huckleberry. Cool as shit. And did you notice, like, Doc's weird holsters? Like, they have a specific name for those. But, like, how his guns are right up in his armpits so he can reach them when he's sitting down easily. Hmm, I did not notice that. So he's, like, always doing this kind of arms akimbo, like, hand on his breast pocket sort of thing because he's got that, that very quick draw, I forget what it's called, but it's, I noticed it one time, I've noticed every time since, it's just this crazy why he kind of holds himself so much differently than everyone else. He looks sort of gentlemanly, too. Yeah, but it's because the psychopath has his gun set up so (laughs) he can draw them at a poker table. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But so, and, and Johnny's down, right? Like, uh... Kind of. He's like not into it at first, but then, uh, what's his name? Doc Holiday just keeps putting. He's like, no, 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 I'll, I'll play for blood. He's like, fine, I'll come at you. And they're like about to do it before Curly Bill's like, no, 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 no. That's <laughs> just kind of exactly the way. He like comes like the the gang comes and grabs uh Jerry like, No 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 just play it, gentlemen. We're just gonna go off over here and he's like He's telling how to get your shit murdered. No, no, no. Not that way. We'll do it another way. Don't worry, but not now. What's wrong with you? Um, I legit was watched out for his guys, like Curly Bell. Like that fool's about to get blown away. That that scene sets up legitimately one of my favorite quotes from any movie, which is I'm your Huckleberry. Like I don't know, I'd never heard anything like that, and then watching this I was like, fuck, you were kidding. Doc Holliday is too cool. Like, get out of here. Turn this off. I can't. It's too much. Yeah, all time top 10 favorite badass over the top characters. I, I can't watch this movie too many times because I will accidentally start emulating the accent just to do it. 
<laughs> not catch myself all the time while I am. <laughs> and then, and then, uh, Doc just sits back down and tells the barber to get to work. <laughs> Proceeds, uh, <laughs> I think he's got like crazy bright red silk vest and like the vampire looking and shit. Too cool for school. And then from right there to the stormy night, right? Which apparently was yes. all real lightning thunder and stuff. I believe it for some of the shots. I absolutely there was like a storm and I know like, we're going to film in this. It's the part that I question is the interior shots where there's lightning going on outside and it just seems like it feels very studio lot. I could be wrong. Well, and, 
And not that many people know that uh, Sam Elliott actually refused to be in this movie. So while Kurt Russell's <laughs> acting and Val Kilmer's acting, they actually just followed Sam Elliott around Bowfinger like uh, with a hidden camera and waited for all these things to naturally happen. He's reacting to improv scenes around him. They just capture his reactions and decide that was going to be Virgil Earp. But Sam Elliott did not even know he was in this movie until five to seven years later. And there I was a lawsuit not, about it. I did not know that very true fact. Speaking yeah, of Bowfinger is a movie worth rewatching. Bowfinger was fantastic and I'm worried if I watch it again that it won't be. I mean, I don't know when the last time you saw it was. I watched it just a few years ago. Okay. I still enjoyed it. I I did love it when I was a teenager. I mean, I've watched it in my 20s. So a few years ago. I don't it's been a while, so who knows? When was the one? Nineteen ninety nine? Yeah, now I'll go back to it. Doesn't it yeah, was really good. Yeah, yeah, probably about then. Anyway, the point is Sam Ellie just lives this way. seconds before someone tries to blow them all away. 
Yeah, so like, it's a large scale conspiracy, and, and the Virgil Earth thing actually happened, like, uh, he got ambushed and shot but didn't die, just lost the use of, I kind of wish we'd see it on camera. Eh. I mean, I, I don't I, I feel like it works, because we saw enough to see, like, how easy it would be for him to be ambushed, because just walking in the middle of an empty street, and there's guys all just, like, spying around corners, like, they've already established all you need to, and having him come back wounded ramped up the tension so that when the actual f uh, shit hits the fan, it's, I think it's more effective. Well, I'm just very curious as to how he lived is all, because it did make it very clear that he could be easily ambushed. I don't get how he could easily be ambushed get shot exactly once and escape, yeah. I imagine there's probably more than one gunshot, and so guys were shooting at him and he was shooting back, they ran off, I mean, cause like, even the, uh, what's kinda crazy is when they go to kill the women, and like, they open the door, the guy has, is like wearing a coat over his head, fires a single rifle shot into the house, and then just fucking runs away. And like, they're all fine, because he just fired one shot and ran. And they ducked. So... It's a very scattershot attempt that they're making, it seems. Right. Uh, they're not the best at this. No. So, Virgil's injured. We find out he's going to lose the law, uh, lose any use of his left arm. Yeah, and like he 
left dramatically. Was even like, well, nothing we can do. Should probably clear up the room so the doctor can do his work. It's just like, fuck. It's just angry. Everybody's mad at Wyatt Earp. Like, this is his fault. When it was them who wanted to start this whole shit with the OK Corral. Like, I didn't get that. They were all, like, mad at Wyatt Earp. And I was like, dude. Do you not remember that he was the only one who didn't want to do this shit? Yeah, it almost felt like Wyatt Earp was trying to, uh, I told you so them they didn't want to hear it, but then he didn't actually say that. So it didn't get why they would reacting like he was being a prick about it. Yeah. Um, Morgan's freaking out. And he runs out of the house where Virgil is being tended to. And then we have another weird it's the next scene is really but it's another one of those ones where it just feels like this was a longer movie that got, got cut down because uh, what's his name? Later steps outside and Michael Rooker rides up with Creek Johnson Magic Jack sounds right. Creek Turkey Creek Jack Johnson and Texas Jack Vermillion. So both named Jack. That's the problem. So they ride up with Michael Rooker. Michael Rooker is like he says something to um Wider, like, hey, it's over for us. And Wider's like, what are you talking about? Aren't you out there with your guys? Like, no, after tonight, going after women and families, like, that ain't, that ain't right. I, we're, we're done with the group after tonight. And he like throws down his sash. It's unclear because the guys behind him, as far as we knew, were not a part of the cowboys. Yeah, I guess they're just friends. I mean, it does seem like a lot of the cowboys are kind of friends with people in town because they're always around each other. But I guess it's weird. It was Michael Rooker is like, yeah, no, we're not part of that anymore. I don't know. Michael Rooker is not given enough to really be a character. He's just like someone there, and we knew his name. He's good in all of his scenes. Michael Rooker is great, but like a lot of the characters, 
characters, you just kind of wish you were given more with them? I mean, I always want more Michael Rooker. Because this character 
was one who was like just kind of a good young guy following his older brother's lead, optimistic, naive, and he had he had heard of this thing and it sounded really cool. What if that's the way it is? Wouldn't that be nice? Like I think he even says like when he brings up the light uh, the tunnel of light or whatever he's like what doesn't that sound nice like is that not too bad if you gotta go and so then at the end when he's like he's had to kill a guy and now he gets killed he's like there's nothing it's a big moment. And Kurt Russell and everything else because his other brothers wanted to. It's just yeah. a huge bummer for motivation. It's. It worked out so. Like, it's such a good scene between both those actors. And then Kurt Russell just like goes up to his wife and she's looking at him in disbelief and he looks at her in disbelief and just holds out his hands covered in his brother's blood. And when he steps out of the saloon, I'm like, I, I feel like it should have been cut right there almost. But then, they had a sub thing with the wife and the actress, I guess. Because then he just goes out in the street and curses God. It's not that it's like unbelievable, it's just it's leaning a little Well, he doesn't just go out and curse God, it's that they have both the women in his life approach him that he chases No, exactly. Yeah, and that's why you need this part of the scene, I guess. She runs up and is like, it's like, hey, and he's like, what? Go away! And she turns around and runs away again. And he faces his wife and she's like, I saw her go try to talk to you. Well, also, I think his wife is pretty properly just like, well, you know, our marriage sucks anyway. Now it turns out I can really seriously die. Oh, no. I, I totally get where his wife is coming from. And just, like, walking just calmly walking away from this situation. It's just this part of the scene doesn't work as well for me as the earlier part. Like it's still good acting, but some of it leans a little bit into it's not Funny, but I've seen comedian. I've seen comic actors do 
doing a lot of the same gestures and movements when being comedically melodramatic. And so it's kind of almost funny when he's just loading with his hands, his bloody hands out, just like putting them out in front of people. It's like, ah! like, this isn't funny. This is incredibly heartbreaking. But I've seen these exact gestures in very comedic situations. So it's like, that's where the scene works a little bit less for me. I think it's mostly just a matter of it being a little bit dated. But that's like the biggest criticism I could give of this movie. Yeah, and the sort of crane shot where it's slowly panning up when he's in the rain stuff and it's very street car named Desire and you're just kind of like, yeah it's a little much it's, it's fine it's tropey but it's pretty well put together I think yeah it's just it was a stronger moment when it just left with him leaving the saloon for me we have the funeral well, we don't even Why? see a funeral, we just, they're like... Oh, they're like, carrying body yeah, yeah. out of town. I guess they don't want to bury him in Boot Hill, like they're taking him somewhere? Or... Oh. Do we just not see the burial, and then we don't, it's we just don't the Virgil side? There, the significance here, I think, is he stops to tell the cowboys this is over, we're done. And they just kind of like laugh at that. Well, fucking Johnny Ringo. Well, well no, because Charlie Bill's just like, well. line in the fucking movie. No, no, no. Not Johnny Ringo. Uh, Curly Bill says that. No, but then Johnny Ringo, uh, yes. cause he's such an asshole, it's just like, what does he say? It smells like something died. Yeah. <laughs> Even and Curly Bill's just like, Because you have, you, sh- you 
show him on the train. And would like pan back to Ike and some other cowboy and like, alright, he's on the train. We're gonna go kill him and his lady. And then you just have Wyatt Earp show up and be like, hey! And shoot. <laughs> Somehow Ike oh not only does Ike survive he throws out his weapon again. And, um, Wyatt is just like, go on, go tell your friends. Go tell them I'm coming. So he escapes again. I just keeps getting away for, like, the bulk of the movie. What voice is like, Tell them I'm coming and hell's coming with me, which is the line from the priest in the room, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Which, uh, and then they... I, I thought they were gonna lean on the four horsemen thing a little bit more, because you definitely have the pale horse, like, death which is why there's a strong case for Doc Holliday being the perfect pestilence and then there's two <laughs> others. <laughs> but, but they don't. I'm glad they don't. But I expected them to uh, just steer right into that obvious metaphor. Yeah. But beyond the fact there's four of them after Michael Rooker uh, uh, leaves and the the uh, they keep saying that one line they don't do too much with it which is probably for the better. Yeah, uh, I mean, it was obvious when he made that line, and hell's coming with me, but it was like, okay, I see what you're doing. But they didn't lean on, like, it was, it was fine for how much they did. It didn't hit you over the nose. <laughs> it didn't pistol whip me in the skull uh, the way it could have. Yeah. Um, but cut. But then the movie. I, I would say it takes a turn, it just becomes kind of a different it's a murder montage for a while. I, I mean, yeah. a lot of movies about this event end there at the OK, or ended before the storm at you. Like, most of them end at the OK Corral. So it's kind of two movies. 
beasts like there's the OK Corral part and then the Vengeance Ride part, which starts like now, which wouldn't be long enough to be its own movie, but it's definitely a different story. Because we have a montage of cowboy kills where it's just like it's. It's Texas Jack Vermillion, Turkey Creek Jack Johnson, uh, who was Michael Rooker's character's name? McMaster. McMaster. And Doc Holliday and, uh, Wyatt Earp just kind of riding around hunting these guys. Yeah. There's this some is pretty, the one uh, where there's... I know, the one, I know what you're about to say. They're in the no-man den, and they're about to do yeah. my best friendship <laughs> for a bottle. Yeah, yeah. I had forgotten about that. And then watching it again, I was like, oh my god, that is dark. It's uh, fucking harsh. Cause, okay, for one thing, it, he's trying to get hot. It's like a hookah or something. So he's, he's, he's bleary-eyed. He's sort of rolls over, goes back to the pipe, puts it in his mouth. But oh, is he going for a pipe? I, I mean, obviously, like, they're yeah. in, like, some kind of opiate den, but I thought yeah, he's they were basically, uh, crossfitting, so I thought he was reaching for a bottle then. No, I think he's literally like inhaling out of out of uh, oh, Wyatt's gun. I mean, he doesn't work either way. He doesn't just blow him away. He waits until the guy realizes that it's his gun first. Yup. It is hard. Yeah, it's a pretty dark. Revenge scene. It's it's kinda great. There's some pretty impressive uh stunt work too. Like one of the guys gets uh pistol whipped with a fucking rifle uh and like falls backwards off his horse uh, it's uh it's a like, literally just a stunt. Like, you see the guy fall backward off the horse and land into the dirt as the horse is running on his, like, holy shit. And doesn't yeah. Doc just, like, ride a horse through a glass storefront at one point? That is what? No, that's, that's whatever. And that's okay. the literal start to this montage. It's why, like, it becomes a different movie. It's like, you see him kill a guy, he makes that threat, and then 
there's that shot of like their silhouettes riding toward us with the sun in the background, the setting sun in the background, and then it cuts to just him like riding through a glass window into a building and just shooting six or seven guys. I think we're already at more kills than actually occurred, but I don't even care. It's crazy. Yeah, and it starts, like, it just gets hella crazy. And just when it's at its, like, most crazy, the montage ends and we're at, like, a new scene where they finally have cornered uh, Curly Bill but it was actually an ambush there's this crazy goddamn creek scene where like they're pinned down and apparently this is in the movie because it actually happened which I guess it could because guns sucked back then yeah, and these aren't marksmen. Like, I would expect the lawmen to have a better aim than just these guys who just go around just constantly firing their guns and causing mischief. Yeah, but like, so their pins down, it looks like they're gonna lose. Wider plovers is super mad. It's like, no! <laughs> kind of just <laughs> hauls himself across the river, walks into the hail gunfire, doesn't get hit, and kills Curly Bill and like three other guys. And it's so weird and unrealistic that it seems poorly written, except that it's based on what everyone says happened. Like, actually. Like, even the first time I watched it, I remember thinking, like, this has to be a thing that, like, supposedly actually happened because otherwise this would just be the schlockiest writing. Yeah, it's, it's not even... It doesn't even make sense as a strategy. You know, like, he just tries to kill himself and fails and kills Curly Bill instead. It's really weird, but it's also around the time when Doc's health falls apart. So Curly Bill is dead, which is too bad because I really liked him. But now Johnny Ringo's in charge of the gang. Johnny Ringo being the dark Doc Holiday.
have this infant between uh, Doc and Vermillion, I think. What of the oh, two guys. Sorry, I forgot. Like, first there's this weird aside where, for no discernible reason, uh, they pull, the cowboys pull up on the carriage and we learn that Billy Zane has been killed off screen. Is that before this? I think that's after. Oh, sorry, I finished here, but I thought we were moving on to oh. the ranch thing. Well, I was just saying, because there's that, that scene, like, it's immediately following when he kills Curly Bill. Uh, I just like, I really like Doc Holliday's character, and I like when he's talking to a Vermillion Joe or whatever. Oh, he's like, why are you out here? You're going to die. You're already dying. You're not in good health. You should be in bed. And he's like, Wyatt Earp is my friend. And the guy's like, shit, I have health friends. And he's like, I don't. Like, uh, I, don't, I really like, I really like Doug Holliday's character. He's very has that isn't living for anything really but has one guy that he really likes so might as well die for that one sort of thing yeah well as you kind of go on you kind of learn also that like cause he really appreciates Wyatt Earp's friendship because Wyatt really knows him and accepts him for who he is whereas most people by the time they get to know him and aren't just like entertained by him they just hate him so Which he I really see. yeah but it means he really appreciates Wyatt Earp's friendship, and that's why he's like, no man, like when Wyatt Earp's like, this ain't your friend, he's like, how dare you? <laughs> I really like that. But yeah, the next scene is the carriage stop where Billy Zane has been killed. And Jason Priestley is heartbroken and abandons Behan. Yeah, it's just, it's such a tragedy because any movie that Billy Zane is in is about 50% better. He's less vital in this one because Val Kilmer is there. 
but they definitely just killed him off screen to get rid of him, and his entire character was kind of just also there uh, when Dana Delany was. And it's. I don't understand. But some cowboys killed him. We don't know which ones because it happened off screen. For some reason, Behan has made all the other cowboys deputies now, which he can just do. And there's been some political stuff going on that we don't see. Uh, yeah. and Sister Boy leaves because having killed Billy Zane is the line question of cross for him. And that's... That's all really interesting if there's anything attached to it, but I haven't seen any of the scenes with Sister Boy or Behan or how John Ringo's writing things now, so I don't get why this is here. Yeah. No, it just it very much feels like we're missing missing scenes. Yeah. Uh, but interestingly enough, because uh, the white urban gang approach and see Behan with his new sheriffs riding off and he realizes like, oh, they've been deputized and shit. Can't take him here. And that's when Doc starts coughing up blood. Yeah. Which is the, uh, the Hooker's Ranch place is where they go to. H Hooker's the name of the guy. It's not, uh, uh, not a ranch owned by hookers, which would be fine. You know, I mean, I do, I do. Uh, also, I don't call them hookers, that's rude. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which is Charlton Heston for some reason. And, wait, sorry, I wrote something, but I can't see it. Curse about here? Oh, the girl's also there. Because it's a very small, entire western frontier. So their wagons also stopping this place. Yeah, so that they can break up again. Now he 
says like, I'm sorry, they have a moment, but it's not time for them yet, it's mostly just to remind him of something he wants, outside of revenge. Like, it becomes important later on. To let him know the door is still open... ...for the ending. But also so she can dramatically exit for a second time. A third time, really. A third time, because during the funeral, she's just walking across the street to get in the second exit. Well, the next scene is where we find out that McMaster, like Rooker's... They killed Yon, dude! I know. Also off-screen. Way too many guys die off-screen, that's all I'm saying. I don't disagree. Yeah, in a pretty horrible way, like, you got dragged, he dragged by a horse, presumably he wasn't dead until, like, they started dragging him. I mean, I don't know, because how did they get him onto the or how did they get him attached to the horse if he was alive, but... Well, if they caught him and had uh, their guns on him, they're like, okay, give up, and he gives up, then they could just tie him up. Oh, true, but I, for some reason, I assumed it was more of like an Achilles uh, dragging Hector around thing. Like, you kill him, and then you tie him, and then you. Possibly. I don't know. I've never. My assumption is that my assumption evil dudes did the eviler thing that they could do, which is like, ah, oh, we're gonna get him. We're gonna just leave him alive and just drag him. That's well, that's the thing. These guys have not seemed that evil uh, so far, is what I keep getting out of every interaction. Like, like once Wyatt starts to go on their finish path, Wyatt seems a lot scarier than any of the cowboys. <laughs> as far as guys I wouldn't want to be alone in a room with, you know? Fair enough. Uh, so he gets challenged by Johnny Ringo. Fight to yeah. the death to end it all. Because, yes, he sends a messenger saying, like, we should duel at this time and place. Don't bring your friends you specifically gathered to hunt me down. And he agrees, kind of. Even though he can't let them know he's agreed, but then he acts like he can't back out of it. 
voice say, I'm your Uncle Bay. And man, first time watching this, I about lost it right there. I was so thrilled. Val uh, Kilmer steps out of the shadows. You see Doc Holliday's sweaty face and awesome mustache. Well, and you see Johnny Ringo's smile just kind of melt. <laughs> it's, uh, it's very like, uh, fuck. <laughs> like, yeah. This, this is not how this was supposed to go at all. Well, the, like, the I'm your Huckleberry line is very good, but I think my favorite one is the, uh, well, he says, like, our game isn't finished, remember? We were gonna play for blood, and Jairo is just like, oh, hell, Doc, I was, I was just kidding about all that, and Doc's just, I wasn't. Yeah. This movie uh, does not disappoint in the climax. It is so cool, uh, which I was kind of worried about in the first watch, just because like the movie never did make up its mind who the main antagonist was, and then Curly Bill dies pretty early on, and so then it's like, oh, it's Michael Bean is. So, I wasn't sure if they were going to be able to pull off like a really satisfying end. And oh my god, is it so cool. But yeah, I think that's because they had a main antagonist and then he was too ill to play the part, so it sort of just had to <laughs> elevate two other characters. The two characters circle each other, hands on their uh, holsters, like the the director really milks that moment like cut between you know hands moving for the gun eyes looking at each other like it's classic uh western shootout doc still smoking for some reason like so quick like it's just really like finally it's like click and then they both draw and immediately 
fires. And like almost as immediately he holsters the gun again. Like he just immediately boom and caps uh, Michael Bean right in the head and then holsters his gun again. And it's locks locks yes. brain damage as he slowly My, emerges death inside his skull. I think Michael Bean even gets off a shot. Like, he gets hit and then his arm drops and as his arm's dropping, it just fires into the dirt. And he stumbles forward. Just like a... Uh, and well, he's like a zombie for five, six seconds because he's yeah. got this like. And Val Kilmer's kind of like gets out. Huh? It, oh. It's like a graze. It's not a through through. So he's just like he's horrendously brain dead. He's completely fucked. Yeah. Uh. Because he's got a sizable bore through his brain, but he's not dead yet. He's just, it's grotesque. Yeah, no. Doc loves (laughs) it because he's the devil. His other thing that he said throughout the movie is either you're no, you're you'll be a daisy. He compares people to daisies. He says you are you are, and so he's just like you're no daisy, you're no daisy at all. And he just keeps telling him. He's like, come on, Johnny. He gets on his face and, like, falls into the ground. (laughs) It's it's pretty fucked. (laughs) No, it's really fucked up. It is... It's fantastic. It's so good. He's such a good character. Wyatt shows up and is just like, what the fuck? And making fun of him for making a scene while he's dying. (laughs) It's just... (laughs) But yeah, sorry. I just... He's not a chaotic good, Tony. That's awesome. He's how I play chaotic good. <laughs> Your characters are a problem. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, 
So Cargo is like, I might not have been as sick as I may now. And it's over. I mean, the movie keeps going. Oh, we get one more kill montage, but it's uh... Oh, that's right. I totally forgot. That's the one that kind of made me laugh. Felt a little bit cheap, cause like. Do they go after Behan? Does Behan? Does anything become of him? I don't think so. And they also let Ike Clanton go one more time. Like, he surrenders one last time. Uh, and they just let him go because he drops his sash. And they do a pretty cheesy handshake on horseback in slow motion, which I didn't super need, but it's also exactly corny enough that I'm okay with it. That's the one where there's like, I think that's the montage where there's just a bunch of shots of Kurt Russell walking down a hill just firing two six-shooters, and you don't see anyone around him. He's walking down a hill, no cover or anything, just like casually, boom, boom. It honestly feels like a promo video to like slip into the trailer. I like the, I mean, the 
for I for me the difference is he's kind of no longer Doc Holiday. Like the other times, like he's like, oh, he's dying, but he's still trying to be Doc. He's still like having to get up and come with you. Still cracking wise, and here he's just like, please just go. Like I don't want to play cards anymore. I don't want you to see me like this. Please, if you have any actual affection for me, just go. Well, and the the not wanting to play cards anymore is the part where you know he's dying. Yes. Because Doc Holliday lives for cards. He's a weird guy. But the... This whole exchange is actually like kind of beautiful. Like, it, it's not... It's pretty close to tear-trigger for me. I love that he sends White away, not because he's embarrassed, but because White's the only guy he ever admired. And he needs White to live a life. Because he can't. And White should. Doc Holliday's out of the movie, I don't care about it as much anymore. 
allude to as well suggested. It comes after not enough leading up to it. But it's fine and it's does not ruin the movie. Agreed. And then Nair comes in. Uh, describes how long they lived together and mentions that Tom Nix cried at, at Wider's funeral and Tom Nix has not been mentioned up to now and it's still weird to me, but that's fine. <laughs> yeah, uh, I had a similar reaction, just like, oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I assume he's an actor from old Hollywood. He might have been, like, a World War II hero or some sort of other macho guy, but I think he's just an old actor. And that's Tombstone. I love this movie. It's super good. And I'm, I've, I've seen it, like eight times at this point and I'm probably gonna watch it every year until I die. I have seen it twice, but I enjoyed it thoroughly both times. I even like clapped my hands and said fuck yeah a couple times. <laughs> well there's just there's no character from this that didn't, that isn't a character. Like, there's guys who showed up for a grand total of three lines who I remember and have a feel for, you know? And maybe that's just because it's completely stacked with, like, A-list actors in really bit parts, which is weird, but it works. Totally works. And I got nothing but good things to say about it, except for a couple of bad things that I have already said on this podcast. I so you know I'm a liar I like, because I just I have, finished. <laughs> um, I have almost only good things to say about it. I don't have any, like, really big critiques of it. Like, there's no part that I'm like, oh, there was this stupid part. There's just, like, a few little parts are if you're trying to say why it's not the best movie you can point out. But overall it's really fucking good. I'm surprised it's only 78% on Rotten Tomatoes. I feel like that might be a little bit just because the melodrama and just how many scenes feel like are totally missing 
Well, that's the critics' score. The audience appreciation is 94. I mean, that, that fits, I guess. Like, I don't know. I, I feel like I have legitimate criticisms of the movie, but scene by scene, it is so entertaining and interesting. And ultimately, it is so satisfying that it's just like, yeah, that movie is great. I highly recommend it. I'm a fan. And I don't have too much else to say on this. I can't make fun of this movie. I love this movie. I think everyone who watches it either loves this movie or thinks it's one of those weird movies that someone they know would love, you know? <laughs> but I recommend it to anyone who hasn't seen it yet and likes Westerns or violence or over the top machismo, which is, I guess, my thing. Um, I
Actually, this has been Maddie Manatees. I love you. Brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash matinee manatees. If you like what you've heard and like to hear more, consider becoming a patron. Donations start at just $1 a month, and half of all profits after hosting costs go towards actual manatee habitat preservation. You can listen to our podcast on iTunes, the Stitcher app, or on YouTube. Our music was composed by Kevin McLeod. You can find this track and hundreds of others on his website, incompetech.com. Thanks for listening.